Hello, I'm Bo Handsome, and this is... Can I have a word? As usual, our players will try to define today's featured word. Let's play... Can I have a word? Yes, you can! Today's featured word is melancholy. To give you a clue, here's some audio clips from Word Girl that show the meaning of the word. Ugh, I wish I could muster up the energy to swing my big meat around in, in through the pursuit of crimes that I do, but today I'm just, I'm not feeling it. It looks like this is the end of Amazing Rope Guy. <laughs> Here I am, the, the the fruit purveyor and dog groomer, and this is my melancholy, ready to attack any and all any and all thieves who want to burgle either my fruit, i.e. the melons, or my dogs, namely the collies. Anyone got any ideas? Ooh, ooh, I think that I have an idea of an answer that I have. Tommy, what do you think? Okay, so like one time I was... I was outside and there was a good dog and I tried to pet it and it it walked away and I was sad. So I think it's that one with the dog. Oh, I'm so sorry, Tommy. That's not correct. Anyone else? I got an answer for you, Bo. What is it, Sean? I think it's the one with the lady in it because I remember ha I remember I used to snook a, a woman named Collie who had some big melons. Uh... Oh, I'm sorry, Sean. That's also wrong. Oh, uh, looks like no one wins today's prize. Huggy, show them what they would have won. Up yours, Huggy. It's an official word, girl. You left me. You left me dangling in Berlin. It's an official. One time, I was dangling my feet over the pool, and I fell in and drowned. And I am a ghost. Thank you, Tommy, for that. Anyway, Didn't see moving that one on. Coming. Here's what you would have won. Bump? It's an official Word Girl inflatable pillow for when you're so melancholy you need to cry yourself to sleep. Oh, I bet you do, Bo. I bet you found a few more uses for that pillow. Maybe the next item will be a pump, Huggy. <laughs> anyway, that's our show. See you next time on... Can I have a word? <laughs> Up yours, Bo. As soon as you suggested doing the game show, <laughs> game I'm like, show. I'll just be Sean Connery. I'll just be Celebrity Jeopardy Sean Connery. Easy. I hated oh. those segments. Still there. Yeah. Oh, still <laughs> really? Yeah. They created, were, what uh, what about watch, them? Because it created a legion of assholes that actually now go on Jeopardy and are like, huh, aren't I funny? Oh, I yeah. said Turd Ferguson. No, you're not funny. You're the antithesis Oh my of god. Funny. Like real Jeopardy? Yes. People go on? Yeah, people there go was... on there. They're like, oh, I bet 420. <laughs> like, now oh. the, the internet is... Created a legion of assholes. I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can track that uh, yeah. assholery to a single event. But you know, it yeah. is like how um, you know Dan Caves used to hate uh, Chappelle Show because people kept on just repeating "I'm Rick James, bitch" yeah. to him because that was like the the zeitgeist for that. Mm -hmm. um, and then I actually made him watch it, and he's like, "Oh yeah, if this was the exposure that I had gotten to it, <laughs> very good." That was my thing with Napoleon Dynamite. 
I don't think I had oh, any yeah. um, exposure. I don't think I had contemporaneous exposure to both Jeopardy and SNL. And I watched the Celebrity Jeopardy ones like a good 10 years before really knowing what SNL was. It was just sort of like that cultural osmosis thing. I think it's just, you know, funny based on the strength of the Sean Connery, Trebek rivalry and nothing else. But we're no, not the- talking about sad things this year. No. Not talking about sad things. We're not allowed to. No, it's in our fun. charter now. Well, it, it, happy things are more educational, right? I think. Can you define education for me? Is it like edutainment? You see, uh, education is when you try to teach someone something. So, for example, I'm educating you by telling you what the word educate means. God, you are you are nailing that emphasis <laughs> on every single thing that she says that she does. I try. You succeed. Yeah. Ben, tell us what we've won. Welcome, everyone, to the Cartoncast. My name is Ben. My name is Zane. I'm Joshua. And this is the podcast where we review old cartoons to see what we think of them as adults. Noun. Someone who is likely more mature than I am. Me? No, an adult. Oh, okay. Oh, But, okay. you know, debatably. Okay. I'm like, I don't, I don't you guys don't know me that well. <laughs> I, I know you well enough to be able to gauge how sad you will get if i keep making fun of your sonic heroes poster but i can't do that i can't make you sad <laughs> yeah i won't sing um, the sonic heroes game that that game was not a we'll, great we'll it wasn't talk. bad it wasn't great but whatever we'll talk but yeah we, we're the carton cast listen for the words podcast and eggs uh as we talk about today's show which is word girl word, word girl up. it's word girl sorry yeah, no, you shouldn't be sorry. That's a banging theme song. <laughs> it reminded me of the Darkwing Duck one, just like how out of place, like in this comedy wholesome series, this just like really strong, like sexy O Town kind of song was. I I really would have loved those uh, backup singers from Darkwing Duck to jump in on this because like it it almost has that. It's got that um I don't even know the term Film for it. Noir like, type. But, uh, kind of well, also like kind of like you know. Uh, kind of black choir, I guess. Like mm-hmm. uh, you, that that whole um, gospel singing. Yeah, it's kind of like yeah, I mean, thing to it. It's kind of like the, uh, the it, whatever the 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 women on the Hercules urn did. Yeah, I was, <laughs> was going to say the the choir from uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, the Little Shop. That's kind of the origin. The Little Shop where the little urn with the Hercules girls. They came had a from. name. I don't yeah. remember what it was. Do I want to talk and introduce myself? They were myself? all Audrey. Or do people just they're, they're just called the Greek chorus. Audrey, so. Audrey 2, Audrey Revenge, Audrey Rising. Yeah, we never got mm-hmm. the revenge of the little shop, of course. Do I get to introduce myself? or do we, No, we just not care. Meh. Okay. I mean, they, you? they know who you are. I'm Josh. You're... I did cool stuff this year. I got to, I, I became internet famous, bitch. Oh, yeah. Th- this was actually really cool. Your your enthusiasm and passion for most extreme elimination challenge got you onto one of them. They're trending YouTubers. I got. Oh, my God. Really? I didn't, didn't know about this. Oh, yeah. OK, so there was this YouTuber in England who was trying to find a winner who was on this Japanese game show from 1988. Uh, and he like put out a video that's like, I, any clue you can help me to find it. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm the. Well, actually, no. So what happened? The was, expert. So they. So yeah, the, kind of. This person who <laughs> I was, have a PhD in horribleness. This person who was on the show, my friend Scott. Hi, Scott. You're not listening to this, but Scott, who was on the show, like Oof. in an episode, uh, that shade. Talked Shout up, out to Scott. Talked up to this guy and was like, you know, I uh, I can tell you what it was like. You know, like, oh yeah, I'd love to talk to someone on the show. He talks to him, and they talk, and he's like, well, I can't help you find a winner, but if you need to talk to someone who can find you a winner, talk to this guy Josh. He knows. <laughs> he knows everyone. Too uh, much. And so he knows too much. I was tasked with finding a winner who was on this game show from 
in a foreign country in a foreign language from 32 years ago and it's <laughs> and like the process that's described is just really engaging it's just like okay in a famously reserved culture i need to find somebody who is just bragging about we found the one guy on earth who fit the criteria uh was a winner is still alive, which, you know, a lot can happen in 30 years. Uh, hasn't ascended. Let's be positive. Hasn't ascended. Uh, right off the top of the castle. One, uh, one on the show, spoke some in some degree of English, bragged about the fact that he was on the show, and was not intimidated to talk to some foreigners about the fact that he was on the show. So, hooray for me! That yeah. The conjunction of the spheres aligned such that you yeah. found the one person who fit all those Venn diagrams. Yeah, it's a really cool video. And for those of us listening to this auditory medium, if you want to know what Josh looks like, <laughs> here's your chance. You'll get to see Josh in his uh, Hawaiian shirt and beard mm-hmm. before before his hair got in, got out of control with everything. <laughs> uh, I have a mullet now. Uh, yeah. Nice. That's where I started. Can you define mullet? You see, a mullet is a haircut that was popular in the 80s that's long in the back, that's business in the front, but a party in the back. Right, right. <laughs> I tried to I tried to have, uh, to describe my hair like that, and the response was, business in the front? No, no, no. It's, it's party all what, over. What kind of business? Let's define our terms I'm here. I'm selling because these it, fine it, leather jackets. Yeah, I don't <laughs> like the business that you're doing up front here. Mm-hmm. It seems like a seedy business, if that... Uh, but yeah, so that, that, that's been your internet adventures of late. And also you've been watching this show on the internet. Good segue, Zane. Um, so what, uh, what made you interested in, in looking at the show and then talking about it? Yeah. Uh, I had, so I knew that you would have me back on because of how awesome I am. Yep. And we're trying, to, we're trying to get some of that runoff cred from the uh, Most Extreme Elimination Challenge uh, YouTube fame. Yeah. The lunar cycles aligned. Yeah. Uh, and I had two in mind. Because uh, I wanted to pick something that was completely different from the first two I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had two. This is one. And then the other one, I'm not going to tell you what it was because that way it reserves a spot for me next year because I don't think anyone will pick this. Uh, but it's okay. nothing. It's they're not, So I wanted to pick something that was nothing like any of the things that I had done before. Yes. And for mm-hmm. reference, that is uh, Sonic Satan and Fillmore. And I think that I fit the criteria with this. And then the other one I picked is nothing like either of those or what we're about to talk about today. So, is it Squidbillies? It is not Squidbillies, thank God. Good. Ben, stop guessing that things are Squidbillies. It's going to come back around one day. I, I'm just, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy at this point. Yeah, do you want it to be? I will no, not. I, no, I'm sorry. I just, I can't get it out of my head. I feel like I have to do penance for this or something. So, yeah. Um, what, what, where did you, how did you originally get to World Girl? Because it doesn't feel like it is your demographic. It doesn't just show up on your door. So I'm an only child, and I don't have, which means I don't have any brothers and sisters like you fine gentlemen do. Uh, but I have cousins, and so my cousins were over one day, um, and I was just kind of walking through, and they were what PBS was on in the background. And there's a, there's a scene where um, Chuck, the evil sandwich making guy, has put his boss in a tub. I don't think you guys saw this episode. Maybe you did. <laughs> they put him in a tub. It has eight seasons, Josh. I haven't seen most of the episodes. <laughs> I had the mo- because one of the few conveniences of working from home is I, I like when I say I watched all of them. I had them on in the background while I was doing yeah, my day yeah. job. So I can't say that. Thankfully, I, they do like a chime yeah. sound every time they're going to make a joke. So yeah. it's it's kind of convenient. <laughs> but yeah. I was walking through, and it's, it's much less ob- obtrusive than the laugh track. Yeah. Thank God. Uh, but I was walking through and they were, this was on TV and I was like 17 at the time, I think. So, yeah, 17. And Peter Graves is, is the voice of the boss, of Chuck's boss. 
And for oh. those who don't know, Peter Graves was in a he was a, he was an actor in the fifties and sixties. Uh, he was in a bunch of yeah. B movies, but we know him, people our age probably know him best as the pilot from Airplane. You know the so Timmy, have you seen a grown man naked? That guy. Um, <laughs> ah, I yes, like the National Treasure. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh hey, Peter Graves is in this show with a guy with a sandwich for a head. Okay, this is kind of odd. So I sit there and watch. I'm like, oh, this is kind of funny. And then I just sort of got hooked that way. And I was in college, mm-hmm. and then I ended up going to college and studying English. And so I'm like, well, this will help me learn English and enjoy the comedy. So yeah, right. that is how I got into the show Word Girl. But I hadn't watched it. I hadn't watched it in like seven years. And then I knew coming into this, I was like, well, this will give this will be like some kind of tax write off where it'll give me an excuse to rewatch it. <laughs> yeah, uh, and that's <laughs> the only reason I watch cartoons anymore is like so that I can put this put it in the show. Yeah. Many people have expressed that same sense of like, oh, I can watch the show now. No one's described it as a tax write off. <laughs> yeah. It gives me excuses like, okay, why do you want to watch Josh? Why? Do you, which is why one of the things that worries me about this is like, am I going to end up on some list somewhere? Like, oh, because it's PBS you... and yeah. also Patton Oswalt's on it. So okay. like, I think this ends up on St. Peter's list. I feel like this is one of the questions you have to answer. It's like, why did you watch Word Girl again? You were, you were a grown man. I may, I have no shame. In terms, now, if, now, if you're like, hey, Josh, did you ever watch Barney? Pfft, no. no. I will never cop up to that. This Bonnie, Bonnie Rubble, Bonnie no. Rubble, Barney the dinosaur, that Barney, not got Barney. a buddy named Bonnie Rubble. So well, th- it's interesting because I I haven't heard of this sh- show and I hear of a lot of shows, mm-hmm. but uh, PBS is actually a, a a blind spot. I wish I didn't have in kind of my media, you know, um, h- how far I can hear in media circles. Like I mm-hmm. certainly get everything that's going into Nick and Cartoon Network, and to a l- lesser extent FX. Um, sometimes MTV if it's a weird week, but like I don't actually, I don't have anything that gives me the information of what's going on in PBS. You know, there's no kind of commercials that I hear obliquely. My search engine filter would not allow me to get this, and it, it's kind of a shame because this is not a bad show. Yeah, you kind of have to hear about it from viewers like you. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, exactly. Do you want me to do that intro? Word girl. <laughs> we can fit more intros in, yeah. Word girl. Uh, would you describe yourself as a PBS kid? Like, no. uh, my wife certainly is, but she didn't know about this show oh, either. Your, your, your wife is the most PBS kid there ever was. <laughs> she Amish? Did she grow up in a commune? No, no, no. Okay. Well, she's had a very extended room springer. Um, <laughs> I, uh, no, I was a very much not a PBS kid. I was a Nickelodeon kid. So I would, mm. again, my favorite show growing up was Legends of the Hidden Temple. I'm not wearing the Explain shirt. Explain all the gack. I'm not wearing the well, shirt this today. Is, this is very close to a Nick Jr. aesthetic. I, yeah. I was yeah. because of the animation style, which I don't love, but it, it it's pretty darn near exactly Dora the Explorer, and uh, so that was just kind of what was coming to mind all the time. Like this could have been a Nick Jr. Yeah. and not a PBS. So I'm actually was... kind of surprised it was a PBS because it is no no shade much funnier than PBS generally was when I was watching it or when it was you know yeah. around. I guess. <laughs> Yeah, and I think going into this, so I, I did get into PBS a little bit, just like a little bit for things like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and then I'd watch Sesame Street occasionally, but it was difficult because yeah. it was on opposite prices, Right? And it's like, well, I want to watch Price oh, is Right. Yeah. And Bob Barker's yeah, still- If there's a game show, you're just like a moth to the flame. <laughs> Bob Barker's still hosting at this point in time, so I got to watch that. Yeah. Uh, but- well, it's interesting you mentioned Sesame Street, because this is kind of like if Sesame Street was done by the Animaniacs writers. Yeah. And I think uh, I don't have a I don't have fun background. Uh, you won't be hearing. Well, you will get a special treat at the end of this. But uh, 
I don't have fun background information on this one like I did with the past two, other than just stuff that I've read. Uh, well, I have, I have some background information here. I've got the production history. <clears throat> so, uh, Word Girl ran on PBS from 2007 to 2015, and it was originally the ending sequence of a show called Maya and Miguel, and the sequence was called The Amazing Colossal Adventures of Word Girl. And I think the reason why we, we think that it's funnier or punchier or just more interesting than a lot of PBS stuff is... First off, it was produced by Soup to Nuts um, after it was acquired by Scholastic Entertainments. Um, and b before that, Soup to Nuts was responsible for shows like Dr. Katz and Home Movies. Mm -hmm. And then the other aspect of it is instead of hiring kids book writers, which is what you normally do with a show like this, they got people from comedy-centric media, not the Comedy Central, but like we are centralizing comedy in this media, uh, such yeah. as The Onion, Family Guy, and SNL. Mm-hmm. And, of yeah, course, the voice actors do more adult shows. Like, they've got some cast from Archer here. Yeah. They have James Adomian on this. Yeah, that's not Pulling normal. Pulling a Frank Welker. <laughs> I, I, but, um, yeah, that that's an interesting... I didn't realize that they pulled so strongly from Comedy Central. It really shows. Like, mm -hmm. that's a, that's a uh, unique... Um, that's a unique goal for a edutainment series to have. I've got a, a quote here from uh, the show's creator, Dor Dorothea... Dorothea? I... Dorothea Gillum? I think it's Dorothy. Yeah. Dorothea uh, Gillum. Yeah, and uh, I don't think it's Gilliam. Uh, that makes what? me think that they're related. To, you just, you uh, move over the A from the Dorothy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's, an it's, it's vaguely, it's just a permutation. We're having fun um, with words today. We're having a lot of fun. So uh, what she would say is that uh, part of her mission was to make kids' television smart and funny. I feel as though we've lost some ground there in an effort to make it more accessible. Word Girl's focus is on great stories, characters, and animation. If all those elements are working, then you can hook a child who may come looking for laughs, but leave a little smarter. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of changing the formula from like appealing to kids who would kind of come in because flashing lights and colors, and if learning... I thought of it as like the next graduation of Sesame Street. Mm -hmm. Like uh, that, you would get like... You would even have kind of the refrain of today is brought to you by the letter A and this is what ramps are. And, you know, all, <laughs> the entire episode would be centered around this concept. Um, this is the same thing, but for an older audience, because you need a little bit more than what Sesame Street was peddling. If you're appealing to what I assume is this demographic, which is like elementary school kids. It's like four, right to, about that. four to nine. So, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Bit, Somewhere yeah. around those not first quite, couple of grades. Not quite preschool. Although I guess the, yeah, not quite. people like me watch it, so. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? That by centering the comedy first, um, you know, a lot of the kids' TV, you're appealing to the parents. You want the parents to say, oh, this is good for my kids. I can plop them down in front of it. Here, the kids are the ones, you know, insisting, hey, let's watch Word Girl. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah. you know, I've interviewed a lot of comedy writers or children's television writers, and a lot of them always say the same thing. It's like, ah, oh, educational television is like the death of writing uh <laughs> because you have to constantly and this show was no exception you constantly have to adhere to what the educational advisor says so yeah well i think the other aspect of this is you know in other shows like you said they're they're aiming a little bit younger and so it's like all of our shows today will contain the color red and like that's so boring but here they're like scholastic like almost academic testing words like yeah. melancholy I think I think I, read I don't think the fact is that the concepts are more complicated. I think that they're just presented as less of the focus of the show. Mm. Like they, they they do tie it in, but like it's not as boring as 
now we're going to define the thing. They they work it into the writing. And it's more of an Easter egg. Comedy writers, comedy writers know how to do this, which mm-hmm. is like integrate into their story the necessary plot elements without making them the focus. Sure. So I, I think that this benefits in an edutainment way by having a comedic focus, even though that is a little bit counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. I read somewhere, I don't th- I don't know if this is true or not, but I read this somewhere that this was like the first Y7 kids show on PBS, show that was rated Y7 as opposed to just Y. Know those oh, TV okay. ratings in the upper right-hand corner of the screen? Uh-huh. That tell yeah, you yeah, G yeah. or PG, although I guess yeah, they changed it. I watched it. that segment from Animaniacs. Or Freakazoid. Freakazoid. Freakazoid, Freakazoid yeah. with, um, Jack God, what's his name? Thank you. Jack Valenti. Now, if Dad was oh, was it as the guy? Oh, why did I think Rod Serling? No, Rod Serling died long before it was Jack Valenti, the head. No, of... that's too negative. <laughs> Jack Valenti, <laughs> who was the head of the Motion Picture Association of America. It's a shame that we're not being negative because we've mentioned multiple celebrities whom I've crafted in my mind jokes about what their epitaphs would be, and I can't say any of them now, Josh. <laughs> I apologize for my. That's okay. A funny epitaph is goodbye positive neighbor. because you know. And I wonder. You brought that up. I often wonder, what would Fred Rogers have thought of this cartoon? Because Fred Rogers famously didn't like... Although I think this this might have been a little different, but he famously didn't like Bang Zoom cartoons. Like, he hated stuff like uh, uh, Tom and Jerry. Although this isn't Tom yeah. and Jerry, so... Huh. Why, why did... What, uh, in what way was that famous? Or, like, why did he dislike them? Because, again, well, if you... It's not wholesome, or... It, just... it was like, you know, you're going to plop your kid in front of the television, and they're going to sit there for 30 minutes watching violence rather than God. education or yeah. rather than that something sounds like someone work. who's never raised raised children how dare he you raised frankly. many he, he raised hundreds of yeah. children he raised all of us <laughs> how, dare you, generation. how dare you besmirch we're, the late fred rogers we're all somebody's children and that somebody is fred rogers <laughs> i won't do my fred rogers impression. i'll do other impressions on this podcast but not him uh yeah okay. <laughs> impressions no. i was going to segue into talking about the characters and the voice actors but it didn't happen no yeah, well, Zane, why don't you tell us about the plot, such as it is? Yeah. Okay, so y'all, y'all, y'all have read comics. This is Captain Underpants, but less juvenile. Yeah, this is this is some comics. So there's a hero. There's villains. The villains do a crime. The hero stops the crime. Happy ending. It now, has exactly as much plot as it needs to have. Yeah, which now, is just—it's purely premise. That's it. That's all we have. The hero in this scenario is Word Girl, who's from the planet Lexicon. She's basically Superman if if he was a little girl and obsessed Lexicon with reading. Lexicon is a really good joke. That's not bad. Yeah, I laugh. I laugh at it every time. <laughs> um, and the villains in this case are just like. Uh, do you want me to run through the villains for you? Earthworm Jim level yeah. villains. Like, it's the same kind of... Drawing from the same kind of inspiration. Yeah, hit, hit me with a few of these. Yeah. So you have the Butcher, who often has meat power attacks! And <laughs> uses meat, meat to, powers. to defeat all of Word Girl and Captain... Oh, and Captain Huggy Face. We gotta talk about her monkey sidekick. Oh, yes, and her and her pet monkey in a diaper, because, you know, it's, it, you, you gotta. Yeah. <laughs> these villains are such Freakazoid vibes, to be honest. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. I was thinking cave guy... For most of these, like the single adjective, the single joke mm-hmm. focus. Yeah, they even have the, the guy villains. with two brains. Like that's straight oh, yeah. out of out of those shows. Doctor Two oh, Brains, um, who has a rat head on the top of his head, and he's sort of a Lex Luthor from the fifties meets Willy Wonka. <laughs> and he's and he's voiced by Tom Kenny. Voiced by Tom Kenny. Did you guys see any episodes with Miss Question? What did you think of her? Did you no, like her character? Did you think she was interesting? I... Why didn't you see any episode <laughs> she was in? Oh God, is it that it? Is that the whole thing? What, do you not like the fact that she only speaks in questions? 
Yikes. It's like that improv game. <laughs> One thing, but, but they recorded the, you know, it and scripted it. The thing is, the writing of this show is good enough that I have faith that if I watched an episode with that, it wouldn't be as tired as I am imagining it yeah, right it's, now. You know, it's pretty good. The one thing that I love about her that no one that I don't know if anyone's ever pointed this out is it's clear that every like whereas all the villains in this show they're kind of like tolerated like they don't yeah. yeah they're like oh hey hey butcher how's it going oh yeah sure here's my here's the sax of cash so, yeah. yeah they're outstanding it's, members yeah. of the community imagine <laughs> with, if the statute of limitations on crimes was one day yeah with Miss hey, Toby <laughs> went camping with them we have to, uh, with Miss Question it really seems like everyone in the city hates her guts. Uh-huh. I don't know if anyone put it. Like, if you watch it, it's like they, they hate her. Bad impression on, on her in the streets. Uh, you have Toby Boy Genius, who has to build a robots, voiced by Patton oh, Oswald. Yeah. That, oh, that's that, a good one. And they start. That's the first episode, so they start off real strong. Because you're not expecting Patton Oswald to be in this show. God, I love Patton Oswald. That's such a good voice, and it's something that isn't well utilized for animation in the way that I want it. Like, as soon as Ratatouille dropped, I'm like, this guy should just be in all the cartoons. Why mm-hmm. isn't he just doing this? Retire from comedy. Do the cartoons. Yeah. He's woefully miscast, though, as Uncle Ben in one of the newer Spider-Man cartoons. Uncle I, Yes, no. I know. I know. I, that was my reaction. I was like, what the hell? No, that's a part with pathos. No, I don't see him as I, Uncle I Ben in one work. of the new movies, like the live-action movies. <laughs> like, him and Tom Holland just, like... Now, Peter, with great power comes great respect. Yeah, thanks, Batten. I'm going to go now. <laughs> Look at the comic book. <laughs> I recently saw, I, for whatever reason, I was talking about Patton Oswalt with someone and, uh, at work, and they sent me a clip of King of Queens where the joke that Patton Oswalt did was that um, it was like a two or three minute clip and it was just Patton Oswalt for whatever. He didn't have any lines in the shot. And his take on it was that he was just staring into the middle distance for the entire shot without moving. <laughs> and it, like from multiple cameras, you just see him staring dead ahead. <laughs> and like they didn't catch it, or they just thought it was funny and left it in there. I bet it's the latter. <laughs> it's pretty weird. Like, he just was bored while filming King of Queens, so he made his later. own little joke. He's a boy genius, Toby, Toby McAllister, boy genius, who builds these ninety-foot-tall robots uh, mm-hmm. and uses them to attack the city. But he has a crush on Word Girl. Well, yeah, they're they're ten, and you know she's the only competent person in the world. So, word girl, that helps. So good for you to come. Uh, well, we have. Um, let's see here. Who have I not? We have Chuck, the evil sandwich making guy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, who and... I'm not going to do for reasons will become apparent later in the telling of this. Who has a sandwich mm-hmm. for a head? Yes, I saw that in the intro, and I was like, I, I got the joke. I think I will skip episodes with him in it. <laughs> well, you, you get the joke of what he does, but the way that he's portrayed is much more multifaceted. Yeah. Like, uh, like, 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 when you're bringing Rye? these up, I'm just, I'm just remembering the episodes that I saw them in. And in this one, he was like, I've developed a lair. Like, he moves into a lair, mm-hmm. and he, like designs traps and he's crushing word girl underneath like a heavy press and it's a split screen so you see her, the press just slowly lowering on her and he's just like talking to her through the intercom and he's like yeah you know this layer is really great but I, I gotta admit I'm a little homesick you know it's just it's this one big layer it's just me here my mom's not here to make me sandwiches. Do you know what this do you know what this reminds me of like mm-hmm. specifically the villain dialogue 
Phineas and Ferb, specifically yeah. Prof- mm-hmm. Dr. Doofenshmirtz, Professor yeah. Doofenshmirtz. Because they're all up. obsessed with things that aren't happening right in front of them. It's yeah. so mundane. I, <laughs> I love this style of humor. I also saw him at um, Free Sandwich Day in the park, put on by the police, and he <laughs> stole them. And she's like, come on, man, Free Sandwich Day? And he's like, well, they're free, but... I wanted more than one, so you know. <laughs> I, here's the here's the here's the hundred dollar question. Do you think that the sandwiches he makes are good? Oh yeah. You think they're good? Okay. I I, I think he I'm I'm you know evident point of evidence number one. He's clearly devoted to the craft. Mm-hmm. Like he he's he's got the sandwich for a head. I feel like you don't do that. It would be like getting tattoos while thinking that people with tattoos are stupid. Mm. You know? Yeah, you don't do it. Or like when you, you know, when you really feel the road, like when you uh, develop a bond with your car, you can drive better. I think that's got to be similar. I'm sorry. Sorry. What is this phenomenon? <laughs> you know, when you're driving great and you're like, yeah, you can really feel the road or something. I- I've heard it. Yeah. I've heard it referenced. In, it in which bars? <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, just on my way yeah. to and from the turlet on a long road trip. <laughs> and he has an older brother. Got good well, I just Browns here. We should point out he's voiced by Fred Stoller, who's, um, I never watched Friends, so is he someone on Friends? I don't know who Fred Friends. Stoller is. So he's that Fra- guy with that no. voice, he's that guy with that voice, you recognize his voice immediately, if you heard it. Um, Would I say, hey, I know that voice? Yes. Okay. Would you say, hey, that voice is was, Fred hey. Stoller's? Uh, Fred, he was in Fred Stoller. Alright. Oh, geez, this guy. Oh, I don't yeah. like this face. Yeah, this guy. It, oh, the, he played the guy on Everybody Lives Raymond, who's like a sadder Raymond. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's just right. Oh, just to give us a basis for comparison? Well, to make us like Raymond more, because the title was erroneous. But it yeah, worked no, very not everyone poorly, because I still hated Raymond. Yeah, you weren't alone. Okay. <laughs> we, yeah. we can't get into talking about Everybody Loves we'll Raymond again. We'll never stop. We'll never stop, all night. guys. I'll try Let's to do get the back Fred into stuff. Word but he had the he has... Oh, he's kind of got that sort of. I don't. I don't. I don't think anyone can do a Fred Stoller impression. Although Tom Kenny does a Fred Stoller impression when he voices his older brother Brent. Imagine a sad schmuck. Yeah, this is the yeah. kind of guy. Like, uh, let's you say, let's say, um, what what what's his face from uh, from Men in Black? What's the one Tony guy? Tony Shaloub. Tony Shaloub. Let's say Tony mm-hmm. Shaloub had a personal day and he needed someone to replace him in that store. Mm-hmm. This is that guy. Yep. Uh, who else? We have Mr. Big. Is he large? <laughs> from, from, from King of the Hill? <laughs> I was going to say Mr. Big from the... Did you ever see the pilot episode of Get Smart? They call me no. Mr. Big. Jokes we can't do anymore. Uh, the big joke is that his name's Mr. Big. We hear about him throughout the entire episode as the big evil head honcho of the villainous oh, organization. You know where this is going. Yeah. And I get finally, it. We finally meet him. We get a close-up shot of Mr. Big. He's like, so you're Mr. Big. He goes, so you're Maxwell Smart. Cut to a long shot. Mr. Big is only three feet tall. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I uh, thought you were going to say he's a giant penis. No. I, that's <laughs> where I thought this was going. <clears throat> yeah. Get smart with hum- something else. Yeah. Humor was different back then. Yeah. But Mr. Big is a, his thing's mind control and big business. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. And Squishy Bunny is the name of the thing that he uses to control people. Leslie, bring, bring me my docket for the day. <laughs> so um there was a lady redundant woman lady redundant I... woman who repeats reiterates God. and restates things when mm-hmm. she talks and by the way if you want a clue to uh she's sort of uh yeah she's like angry all the time 
Yeah. She's, she's who I am in real life. So, Would you say she's mad or irate as well? She's mad, irate, and just disgruntled. It's like, what I know. really like, it, it, you know, since we, we talked about it, since we referenced it, I do want to bring back Sheep in the Big City to make a point about the joke of what their name is. Mm-hmm. Lady Redundant mm-hmm. Woman is a really good joke. It was mm-hmm. in Tiny Fuppets with uh, Mrs. Woman. Yep. Uh, for, for, for like, the, just like, this is the woman character um, in, our, in our cast of crew. In Sheep in the Big City, they would have the joke be angry scientist. Not terrible in isolation, but the more you draw attention to it, the more you pander to a crowd that is sick of it. And yeah. I think they knew that, and I think they tried to work around that. So they, they would present yeah. it in different ways. So, like, there are other aspects of the evolution. Yeah, she's... It's, it's still wordplay, but it's an evolution on that concept. She's mm-hmm. she's who I am in real life, and she works in a copy shop. And so, oh, can I do my Lady Redundant Woman monologue? Mm-hmm. Sure. Stupid <laughs> Dave giving everybody donuts because he loves all of them. Not knowing on a day when I'm not here, <sighs> can't believe. Hey, Beatrice, sorry you weren't here for free donut day. I went out and got you a donut. Hope that's okay. Oh, thanks, Dave. <laughs> Stupid Dave buying me a crawler when he knows I want a cherry danish. Oh. Hang on, I gave you the wrong donut. Here's your cherry danish. I know how much you like that. Hey, why don't you keep both donuts? Oh, thanks, Dave. Yeah. Stupid Dave giving me two donuts when he knows that I only have the metabolism for one. <laughs> Which, by the way, if you want a clue to the other cartoon that I that was choice number two for me coming back, that, that gives you a clue. Donut? Oh, is it that cartoon donut Dave? Dave? I rate, no, an irate, a very, very irate person. So see if you can figure it out, folks at home. Oh, angry Dave. No. Dave Angry? <laughs> Rodney D- Angerfield? Dave, Dave Ner Angry? <laughs> oh, you guys got to do Rover Dangerfield, that movie, for whatever. For uh, I'm segment. sorry. Excuse me? I got to tell you, I have no respect for that. <laughs> no respect <laughs> there at goes, all. There goes the podcast. <laughs> no uh, respect. No, no, no. Oh, wait. That's, uh, wrong guy. that's not him. Oh, wait. Wrong, wrong guy who you had that no, catchphrase. Wrong, well, that was a Rodney Dangerfield no impression respect. of Curly. It wasn't even a Rodney Dangerfield impression. They just, that was a. Uh, that was a Curly impression, but they stole Rodney Dangerfield's catch Curly, got a, Curly got a Rodney Dangerfield puppet. <laughs> uh, um, any other villains? Well, let's see. We have a couple of one. We have Captain Tangent, who off, who's he's a pirate, who works at a, not a real pirate, he works at a pirate-themed restaurant. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and he often, he often talks and stuff and goes in his pirate ways, and, you know, he goes off on these long tangents and you know, with his pirate theme. And you know, when I was a kid, I was in pirate camp and I had to okay, write an yeah, essay. Okay, yeah, thank you, yes. Uh, my, uh, let's see here. the joke. Well, let's see here. We have, oh, Granny, we have Great Granny May. Who always, oh, that's uh, uh, Cree Summer, right? Cree Summer is the voice of Great Granny May. Uh, no, just Granny May. Great Granny May is her mom. Uh, yes. Who, uh, oh, dearie, here's my coupon and uh, uses it to scam people with her oldness. Yeah. It's a good scam. Uh, no one actually ages. Mm-hmm. Oh, how can I not forget the uh, the greatest, uh, not the greatest villain of all, but the one that would fit very much into my theme, Seymour Orlando Smooth. Okay, what? who is this? I didn't see any episodes. You of could this. be and, making this up. <laughs> and welcome to answer my questions or give me your money. He's basically an evil game show host who isn't Richard Dawson. 
<laughs> Ooh, game show mugging. Uh, that, and that's he, a swipe yeah. or no swiping approach to villainy, like asking for it. <laughs> like, He's got like going big, through a trans... A, like if a, you give them an option, it's not a crime. Yeah. That's called <laughs> regulations. Bring that's me called your entrapment, stuff. I think. Yeah, Bring well, me you your know. Stuff. Bring me your stuff, answer my questions, and win a fabulous prize. And your fabulous so, prize, and then he's got two brothers who are like dumb hicks, who always oh. are the ones that he employs to win on behalf of him, so they can keep both the money. And, yeah, yeah. A- adding so a wait. second character trait to characters gives them a so much more staying power, and like, <laughs> I don't know, it just gives you enough time to have the dialogue shine. I didn't think of them as character traits. I th- I thought of these people as personalities, which is you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get into like huge definitional stuff, uh, ironically. But like, the diff- when I can't pick out disparate points and like create the character whole cloth from just being like it's a person, but they're crushing on World Girl and they like robots and they're you know an evil ten year old and you you could put all these things together, but you really wouldn't capture Toby. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. think like if he feels actually these characters feel more complete than single personality traits affixed to a cartoon model. Yeah, they're not like comic book care, even though this is a parody of comic books. They're this not is like very a comic com- book. They're not like a comic book villain that you'd get because I mean, in the fifties and sixties, you had these like boy genius or evil, but Toby's a little bit more than that. Yeah, and I think you're right that a lot of it comes from the over the top or over expression of things. This is almost more like a like an audio show, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, let's 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 move away from villains since I think oh, I we can kind of. Oh, I you, want to you, talk you, about you, my favorite villain. We won't talk about Whammer or Victoria Best or those because they suck. But my favorite sure. villain is maybe the saddest human on earth. I don't know if you guys remember his amazing rope guy. Wait, no. that's real. <laughs> amazing rope guy was a real guy on the show, and here's his here's his niche. He's a guy who does kind of average to slightly below average tricks with rope. <laughs> that like okay. if I gave you if I gave you a rope in thirty minutes you could probably do the things that he can do with rope. Okay, and it's just the saddest thing ever. It's like I'll beat you, word girl, and he has a rope. And eventually we learn that he's much better. He's got a, a much better talent, which is imitating uh, everybody in the town. So he just imitates the butcher and goes on the crime, and then butcher huh. gets arrested and not him. But he's just not into it. Yeah, like that's not how he that's not how he identifies. Well, the funny thing, yeah, again we're talking about this. Like he gets jealous because all the other villains get the fame and glory of all the crimes that he's committed. Yeah. So, um, what, go ahead. Huh. Yeah, it's very one punch man. So, like what is the utility of these these villains? Like this is a it, like let's talk about the construction of this show a little bit. It, it is a classic superhero fighting supervillain sort of setup, but without any of like the stakes of that. It they just mm-hmm. using the backdrop of it. They're just using right. the the sets um, For sure. uh, and the and the props of it. Without any of like the like um it's a little bit Venture Brothersy where like or or mm-hmm. maybe um we just went through it shit uh Zane help me out Killface uh, Frisky, Dingo? Frisky Dingo yes Frisky Dingo we're like technically superhero and supervillain but like they don't seem they they're just trying on the costumes of it mm-hmm. it doesn't yeah, yeah. they're not actually there's no stakes there's no consequences so what exactly are the vil- the utility of these villains and it it's just to have Word Girl, the straight man of the show, mm-hmm. bounce off these eclectic personalities and give a vehicle for the plot to move forward and maybe have an action shot right. and some jokes. Yeah, well, I think that is kind of the purpose is to, you know, you have a superhero, um, you know, and and you need supervillains to make it interesting. But it does kind of feel like these are just like, 
you know, this is just kind of a side gig before I get my career going. You know, I'm just out of college trying to figure out what I want to do. And I'll do some super villainy and then, uh, you know, no consequences for that. And maybe I get rich. I or um, senior, senior, junior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from Kim Possible. Mm-hmm. He's just doing it as like a favor to his dad. It, it, just doing it because it seemed fun. Like it, well, it yeah. seemed like a cool way to spend the weekend. Yeah. Well, I love the butcher. Like we actually meet the butcher's dad, who is voiced by Pfft, Ed Asner, who is not Ed Asner. Oh, <laughs> why? Yeah, because he likes meat. Ed Asner as Kid Potato. Get it? Meat and potato and whatever. But uh, we learned that. <laughs> we learned that. Yeah, we have this weird superhero lore where we go to like. It's almost like. We go to the superhero retirement home or the supervillain retirement home as well. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that a thing on Darkwing Duck? Am I remembering that wrong? Yeah, I think that was a time skip or an alternate dimension. Okay. I don't remember the supervillain retirement home. Uh, but yeah, and like they do bring in extra characters that like the villains would encounter. So like with the Butcher, they bring on a second meat villain at yep. some point to like do directly contrast. So the Butcher is like, shooting uh, uh like big ribeyes at somebody and the other guy is like oh some duck foie with this special sauce on it la 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 and that's like character growth like it gives him a chance to be the underdog in his own story for once um but i agree like these like word girls the straight man they're fun to watch but there's not a whole lot of development no. no, and it, there doesn't need to be because it's constructed by comedians because this is primarily a comedic show that happens to have edutainment in it when it works, mm-hmm. when it is possible. Um, let's talk about Word Girl for a second. Word Girl. Do you guys so, know how uh, to pronounce her name, the actress? Uh, Donna. Be- Donna uh, got it yeah, right. Donna, Donna Furman. Furman. Formerly yeah. Donna Fineglass, and then she married Mike Furman, who, is, who was partnered with Chris Hardwick at one point, and they were hard and firm. Yes, I was about to say, they're, like, uh, Soup to Nuts and Hard and Firm, I feel like, would be a good comedy duo, you know, uh, battle battle royale kind of thing mm-hmm. at some point. When I was in high school, um, there was a person who was directly above me in line of, of uh, like, alphabetically, because we were all listed. I didn't like this person, so the comedy thing never would have worked, but his name was Drake, and my name was Josh. Nice. And someone else was like, oh, God, that would be perfect. I'm like, yeah, no. You do realize that you would have had to have second billing. Yeah, yeah, if that. Yeah, but I everybody mean, liked Josh more. Like Drake, like Drake was true. there, you know, to because like, oh yeah, it's a teen show. Drake Bell's gonna be there. Mm-hmm. He has to. But Josh was driving it, and then that Carly lady. I don't know. We oh, you mean Miranda? Yeah, we can't get into this. <laughs> Mrs. I Carly herself. Um, so Dana, it does not have like a prolific voice acting career, but she did. Uh, work on Special Delivery with Paul Shear, which is a parody of a British children's show in which postal workers rummage through people's mail in search of heartwarming lessons and edibles, which I am reading as, like, <laughs> drugs. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know how true that is. I like the, um, so Word Girl, uh, the character, she has this alias, Becky Botsford. Becky Botsford. Mm-hmm. Classic Marvel alliteration, mm-hmm. very clear what they're doing there. Um, and she has this like barely concealed secret identity that's played for laughs. Like, oh man, you were gone for the exact period of time in which Word Girl showed up and beat the bad guy. Uh, you sure did miss a, a hell of a thing. You always seem to miss this sort of thing. Like, it, it's played for laughs, which is good yeah. and fine. Now, now, Josh, maybe you can explain this because this feels like a plot hole. Sure. 
So canonically, Word Girl is an alien. Correct. And she, uh, you know, Becky Botsford, that is, it's the alias. That is a fake Mm -hmm. identity. Yep. Now, she has a family. Correct. (laughs) Who does not seem to know that she is Word Girl. Um, How did this happen? (laughs) How did they not notice this was a problem? It's explained in an episode. Uh, Oh. Are they CIA? um, No, not CIA. Um, Oh, yeah, the mind control, like a Men in Black thing? So no, they're paid actors. Come on. No. Oh, don't be, yeah, yeah. Don't be, don't be so cynical. <laughs> Becky, what, bought Becky, uh, word girl, I guess, uh, was on the planet. Like, so Captain Huggy Face, the monkey sidekick, no. was, was a... Can I, just, can I just give a flat no to that, like, name? No. I love that, that name. I don't, I don't Do love it. Do you hate it because of the way it sounds or the way it evokes a monkey ripping off somebody's face? <laughs> I'll be honest. I'm just tired of monkeys and animated stuff. Like, we had... Uh, Bobo. Bobo from uh, Generator, Generator Rex, Rex, which is terrible, but at least was, like, unique. Uh, and we had Dial M for Monkey, who I think did it right. And then we got this 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 Captain Huggy face, and I just, I, I don't like him very much. The like Monkeys, okay, a little bit of a sidebar here, sorry. Really I'll get to your in answer in a second. A monkeys monkey in, in animation, I, I get why they want to make it work. Because monkeys in TV is such a long-running staple, you know Ronald Reagan, etc. They're cute but like, shapes. Yeah. But like, the only reason a monkey's funny in a live-action show is because it's not a human, and in animation, everything's not a human. It's it's, it's a cute shape. I just don't like it very much. Did you see the uh, segments at the end of the... They're not in all of the episodes, but in some of the episodes... The, Bizarre. Uh, the Captain... Uh, Captain Huggy Face! Show us what the word delighted means! And then he's I happy, and then they do it. What is this? There's this That's segment it. at the end of the, which we'll talk about the other segment, but it's at the end of the episode, at the end of some of the, not all of them, but some of the episodes, along with, what's your favorite word, which, uh, where it's just Captain Huggy Face is just in the middle of the frame standing there, and you hear a narrator go, Captain Huggy Face, show us what glum means. That's right! Glum means to feel sad. Congratulations, Huggy! Glum. And then and he then dances to techno. His music turns on, and he just starts dancing to it. Uh, yeah, Captain I, I get absolutely yeah. nothing out of this character, yeah. honestly. Intrigue! Uh, but it, it, he's yeah. he was a test pilot on the planet Lexicon. Uh, oh, I'm and, sorry? The yeah. pilot for what? Yeah, you send uh, a monkey into space before a human, yeah. duh. Oh, sure. Well, they're not human, they're Lexiconians, or Lexiconians. Uh, but Lexicographers. He was, he was going to test out this, this new... Uh, this new uh, rocket thing, uh, and Becky or Word Girl, I guess, crawled onto the ship as an infant, mm. uh, and through you know at, because she's a baby, steer, like he got startled, steered off course, and crashed into Earth. And Tim and Sally Botsford, the mom and dad, are walking through the. They crash into a park, and Tim and Sally Botsford are walking through the park, and uh, they see uh, Word Girl and the monkey. It's like, oh hey, look, a monkey. And a baby, <laughs> dibs. And yeah, they, so it is Superman. They adopt her. They adopt her. Yeah, and it's, it, they just it, don't notice. It, they they took her into the local police station, and they were like, "Listen, if no one claims them in a in a month, <laughs> you can have them." <laughs> what I love is you. Like again, you guys didn't even know. Like even her own parents forget like that she's adopted. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's not a thing. It's not a thing that bothers me. the The tenor of the show is so jokey and inane that I I never minded when they were plot inconsistent which is a rarity for me because i tend to focus on that pretty hard but like the show set up what i was supposed to get from it well enough 
and her dad is ebullient enough. Like, this is a good cartoon dad. That I'm I kind sorry, of Zane. Can mind. you define that word for me? Yeah, ebullient. ebullient? What, what's that? What's that word mean? Is, is is that like that stuff that beef? Those cubes of, of beef and or you can pertaining buy? to bullion. Yes. Yeah, but you get it off the internet. It's ebullient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the progressive flow also uh, markets that. Yeah. So. Um, I, I I like her family. They're fine. They're, oh. Her dad is the weirdest man uh, to live. He's the most <laughs> but, delightful uh, human being on earth. How dare you besmirch Tim Botsford? These these are these are you know the dialogue is well dispersed throughout. Like there was never really any like a bad character to watch. TJ. No, these these are Except all pretty TJ. okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't Except know her what, brother TJ. You hate TJ. What is, what is a TJ? You TJ's the... sole purpose is to not know. That yeah. word girl is his sister. Uh, yeah. That sounds like it's going to get tired very quickly. It's, you didn't it, see any it episodes tired when it started. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. That's not good. You need to watch because he has this unbridled fascination love of word girl, not realizing that it's his own sister. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. I don't uh, love yeah. it. Word girl's my sister. How gross. Yeah. Call TMZ. This is going to be a whole scoop. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. The other great character on the show. Scoops. Scoops. Scoops Todd Scoops Ming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was, was this a like a reference, an oblique reference to the uh, Chinese reporter from Futurama, Scoops Chang? I don't think so. I think it's just, maybe, I don't know. I don't even I remember don't rem- Scoops Chang, and I've seen every Futurama. I don't remember Scoops Chang. I have no memory of Scoops he Chang. He shows up occasionally, and he's just like, as a reporter asking questions, like he's the one that they use. Is this from the subparier Comedy Central version of Futurama? I think he I think he danced around. Okay. That reminds me of the joke from The Awesomes where they have like the uh triracial reporter just to like play that up to the maximum which it's like Theodore Fukuhara Ramirez or something <laughs> and he and he says each of the names in the different accent mm-hmm. to to really just nail that in. I don't remember a scoops uh a scoops Yeah, chain, I don't know. Though. I just I just feel like I've seen I've seen this trope all over and I'm not sure where it comes from. <laughs> in any case, um yeah, so scoop is the uh what does he do exactly he's also he's a 10 year old he also goes to school but he also runs the uh whatever the hell the newspaper is called that the, i can't remember oh he's a fillmore character the daily yeah. rag daily rag that's what it's called oh, Thank you. Ter- terrible name for oh, a newspaper how did that get passed <laughs> i don't know and he's like the most earnest honest gentleman uh newspaper reporter ever which is nice in this world of not honest journalism uh nice to know that honest journalism you're not allowed to say that Honest journalism existed at one point in time. Um, but yeah, uh, Be- Becky has a crush on him. He yep. kind of, you know, he he does the Lois Lane thing where like, oh, I, I'm finding out about the crimes faster than you could. I didn't pick up on that till now. Yeah, he's he's Lois Lane. Yeah. They're, they're cleaving pretty close to the Superman thing, but because it's a little girl and it's word-based, like, mm-hmm. it, it's enough distance where you don't just read it as like, oh, okay, it's just another Superman. Yeah. One thing I really like about Word Girl is that, uh, you know, we usually have the villain is double-crossing, and by the end, Word Girl is going to have to put him in its place by, like, you know, using your superpowers. Until we get to that point, it's straight-up Power Rangers don't escalate the situation. She's like, listen, it wouldn't be fair if we agreed to this contest, this soccer game, ahead of time, and then I use my superpowers to win it. Instead, I'm going to <sighs> enable... My regular Earth people around me, just like Superman would have done, to solve their own problems and only get, you know, get my superpower thing on when the situation warrants it, Mm -hmm. which I think is like, 
I think that is um, part of the, like they're cleaving a little harder into the moralistic nature of edutainment series, but I, it kind of works for me. It works for mm-hmm. her character. Yeah. She's she's precocious, but she's moral. And it I don't works know because everything's that. small scale. You don't want a hero who's unwilling to escalate, and there's just like yeah, constant like, fire yeah, everywhere. Yeah, yeah like yeah. If, if like if uh, you know if, if if there's like a like an anthrax golem rampaging around, and we you know agreed challenge him to a race, like I'd probably like take the <laughs> gloves off for that. Yeah, other issues we might want to deal with first. <laughs> Decorum <laughs> only extends so far. Sure, but but these are all small scale. Uh, the cheese guy wants to use this soccer field in order to like for like a, a stay-at-home vacation spot i don't know man um, <laughs> dr two brain's so, motives are always weird you guys know that he was good and then he like like uh doc ock ended up having a bad experiment that turned him into dr two brains right oh okay. I, I could have assumed he was steven bach his name is steven box which is a great name uh and he and word girl were like he was like he was sort of that who's the guy um who's the guy who like was like superman's doctor I don't remember his name. Oh, uh, Lex Luthor. No, but then he be, then he uh, then he becomes kind of. He, I think it's just Jor-El. I think he just went and like. Yeah. I think that he had to fill that out on his like. This is my uh, Wait, primary why, care physician. This is my. PCP. Why would Superman need a doctor? Well, he needs like oh come okay like help train. Why me. does it's he need the, a fortress of solitude, Zane? I I don't know the. Why does he need crypto? Like what? Professor Hamilton. That's it. What? Professor Hamilton. And he's like, he trains Word Girl, so he trains Superman as well. But then he's like training Word Girl, and then he does some. Oh, I thought ex- you meant real Superman had a doctor, and his he name was Professor Hat. No, he didn't. What? He had something. He had like a mentor or something, or some kind of doctor That's mentor. That's such a Batman thing, though. Like he Superman was driven doesn't and... have allies. He's he does it all on his own. He's a, the he's perfect man. He okay. Here's here's a here's a blurb from Professor Hamilton on not like Superman wiki, but actual <laughs> Wikipedia. Um, he. He was a former employee of Star Labs, mm-hmm. our favorite. I love uh, Star Labs. He and Project was driven, He was driven insane when his research was bought up by Lex Luthor. Um, he was placed in a mental facility, responded well to treatment, and then he set up a laboratory in Suicide Slum and became Superman's scientific advisor. <laughs> Why? So, oh, so he made the Phantom Zone projector and his robots. Yep. Why? I, I I guess I was always wondering like how Superman got those. He definitely didn't make them himself. I I thought that they I thought that that was just the Kryptonian version of pinning a twenty to your jacket. <laughs> Explain this metaphor. Is that you mean like, <laughs> like you, you know like you know I'm you done know, with you kid. Twenty like, to your jacket I've so done, that the ladies know you that you're you can. F- it's like a rural like aphorism. Like I've I've taught you all you can. You I've, I've taught you about the world all you need to know. Um, and you just twin a pin a twenty to your jacket and slap him on the ass and put, give him a train ticket and like best of luck. Wait, um, I give him twenty dollars and the train ticket. I mean, yeah, wow, you gotta, you're getting robbed blind. <laughs> <laughs> he, they have an experiment uh, that, and he has an evil lab rat, squeakers, yeah. and that's how he gets the second brain. Yeah, Doctor, hence Doctor Two Brains. The the episode I saw him in was one where his schemes were so complicated that he really tried to just simplify them as much as possible so like oh you know i'm gonna use the gravity ray to levitate the thing to float the thing and in the end he was just like oh there's a bunch of cheese here at the grocery store i'm just gonna take it and word girl was like i don't i I don't know how to deal with this but his uh his brains got the better of him and he just kept on like expanding plans out so it was a nice little like 
growth moment, you can focus in on the villains when they hold the bulk of the story. And when they don't, Word Girl is sufficient. I, I think it's a mistake to view this in terms of, like, growth. Like, I, I don't think there's that arcs. that's... There's a little bit of growth in the end. Th- that is not the metric on which I would be... There, the, there, that would appeal to me. There is a plot, know. I'll say. Hey, boss, me and Charlie were thinking, why don't we just go and steal the cheese? That's my uh, unnamed hench. Oh, yeah, and the he's other... got enablers. He's got, yeah. like, little weasel enablers. They're the real villains. I always mm-hmm. wondered that growing up. I was like, where do, where do super villains get their henchmen? Just hold open well, auditions? Well, when they go insane after Lex Luthor steals their inventions, you know, they, they got to find work. I think you just have to become, a, like, a, a, a religious demagogue, and then they just sort of flock. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Like, that's Two how Brains L. Ron a... Hubbard did it. So Dr. Two Brains is a religious demigod? Oh, okay. Well, demagogue, not demigod. <laughs> demagogue? I mean, they, he could, maybe he's both, right? Okay. Maybe maybe one ha- one brain prays to the other one. You can't tell me that if you were, like, taking a gap year and there was a supervillain, like, you're in your hometown, you wouldn't hench for them for, like, six months. No, it's a, it's a pretty sweet racket. Like, you get <laughs> work experience. It's, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, you're, you're going to have to work for an, a soulless corporation at some point. You might as well get your, your feet wet. You're growing me, your local community. Me and Charlie are just happy to get the dental coverage. Wait, what if <laughs> yeah. that's... What if that's why there's no consequences for these villains? Like, they're hired by the city to boost tourism. This is going yeah, back they're just the, following orders, Anne. Is this going back to the Kim Possible theory that the villains exist solely to keep her distracted so she doesn't become evil? I need a reason for them not to get arrested. <laughs> Wait, was this a theory that we came up with? or it's was that... your, I remember it's on your podcast because I heard it because I was listening okay. to some of it. That wasn't yeah. just on in the water? It might have been. It might have existed, but you guys brought it up. Our guests yes, know our lore it. so it, much it better was, than we do. It was in the Kim Possible movie, but it was localized to that single event, and we expanded it across the entire Kim Possible verse. Hmm. Those are the best conspiracy theories. I mean, there's only a single point of evidence, and you have to. Uh, yeah, have to infer. I think we're a little infer, light on conspiracy theories. We're a little light on conspiracy theories this year, so uh, yeah, um, Word Girl is Kim Possible. That's the new one. Okay, cool. Oh, with cool. Me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I assume that uh, that Huggy Face is Ron Stoppable. Well, then who's the lab rat? Yeah. Oh, who is who's Rufus? Yeah. Uh, he's Violet? also in this. Yeah, just get rid of him. He's also here. Yeah, you know, thinking back on Kim Possible, I recognize how, how little I cared about Rufus. How little I cared for Rufus, <laughs> other than like as a person for Ron to talk to and not get shot down by. Mm-hmm. Where does Wade come in to ask it? Wade is a supervillain in this show. Okay. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just Toby. Yeah. Every time you say Toby, I immediately think Toby determined. <laughs> I think I cannot I, help it. I think Roots. I don't know what that says about me. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> Roots was a mini series in 1977 that chronicled the life of Kunta Kinte, a slave okay. who was a slave who was brought to okay. the Americas. Joshua. Okay. Joshua. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. He's, yep, he's thank defining you very much. the word Roots. <laughs> <laughs> Was he actually? No, but like it was, was a groundbreaking just... movie. So, yeah. miniseries. <laughs> the most watched miniseries in the history of television. Really? Yeah. Not not a uh, not Doctor Horrible. No. Does that count as a miniseries? No, that was not the most. What this was like watched by every like like half the people who own televisions watched this. Yeah, it was the real. It was the moon landing of its yeah. time. <laughs> Weird. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, let, let's let's I guess move to a new thing. Um. Can we talk about the irreverent humor of this? Mm. Specifically, I think it makes fun of itself a lot. Like it's very self-aware, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. It's got some archer vibes. This is the this is the generation in which self-aware humor lands pretty good. 
Um, so specifically, I'm thinking in some of the names, Chuck the Evil Sandwich Making Guy, Lady Redundant Woman. It's very self-aware. Generally, like, this bothers me. They, this is more annoying than it is in this. this like, I like it here. But mm-hmm. it's, uh, like, with the sheep in the big city paradigm, they don't draw attention to it. They just let it speak for itself, which I think is a very good decision. And, again, I think it ties back to the fact that, like, the comedians were, were kind of a, a strong writer for this mm-hmm. show. Well, yeah. I mean, like, some of the writers came from SNL, which is, like, the pinnacle of, hey, we have one joke. We need to stretch it over three minutes yeah. and then do yep. it again and again. <laughs> And then right, do it repeatedly but, but they don't episodes. just have the one joke. They don't right. just have the run joke. It's just background humor that it, they call him Chuck the Evil Sandwich Making Guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a it's a setup. It's a setup for jokes that will happen later. Mm-hmm. You give yourself as much as you can at the start, and then dole it out. Yeah, like there's a lot of uh, like classic, clear, obvious like setup and punchline mechanics in this show, uh, but they're they're delivered in such a way. That I think they would, and this is hard because um, I'm coming to it as a 30-something, and I did not watch it when it would appeal to me the most. Like, frankly, I appreciate this show, but I don't like watching it very much just because it's not for me anymore, and that's a hard thing to do. But I recognize that a lot of this is classic comedy setup filtered in a way that a younger generation would get it. For example, there's this one episode where Toby they're they're going it's the nature episode. It's the camping mm-hmm. episode. You know this from Hey Arnold. They all go camping. Someone's technologically superior, makes fun of them the entire time, and oops, their gadgets don't work anymore. They need to rely on the actual like learning that they did out in the wild. It's it's uh everyone had a good time and a laugh. But um there's a flashback where Toby is is reflecting on how he used to bring robots to other stuff where it wasn't welcome, like various sports camps. Mm-hmm. Like uh Remember basketball camp? Family Guy style flashback of like a robot dunking on this small child, uh, literally, and you know Toby in the in the foreground being like, "I win again." Um, and baseball camp, similar situation. I win again. And theater camp, and it's like this. Uh, it's somebody doing like the Romeo and Juliet, or like the, the the skull thing, the Hamlet skull thing, and the robot saying like, you know, you know, um, I ironic quip detected. Transmitting, se- transmitting selected, uh, <laughs> selected bon mot, or, or something to that effect, and mm-hmm. then Toby, like again, I win again. You know, it doesn't even make sense in that context, and that's the joke. You know, that they set it up as the uh, first thing, second thing that heightens it, third thing that is just a complete like left turn, but they're they're using it for comedy, and that that's just a very classic setup punchline, but it's done in such a way that. I can imagine a kid being able to follow, even though they, like, I can imagine, like, it's just interesting to see uh, the same kind of comedic staples filtered in such a way that a child would understand them. But I I don't know Mm -hmm. whether a child would understand them. This is just gut feeling, you know? I think they would. I I think think it's told with the cadence. Like, you can clearly tell that a joke is being made, and they're just slightly better than the jokes that, like, would get a child laughing, so I ended up like it, it. It always caught me by enough of the surprise that I that I laughed. Like, you know, if a normal joke goes for three, this one goes for four, and it was it. It, it kept me on its toes. Yeah, I, I don't think I ever laughed, but I did appreciate a lot of the jokes. Mm-hmm. Watch, I don't think I laughed out rewatching this. I didn't laugh out loud. Although I don't, I'm oh. not really a laugh out loud guy. So, but 
you know, the humor of it is, again, you also have to remember that we have to dumb down, not dumb down our humor, but it's like, we have an educate, like I said earlier, we have an educational consultant. Uh, yeah, it can't be quite as subtle as something for a old, older audience. Right. You do have to spell certain things out. But not all of them. Chuck the Evil Sandwich Making Guy is a perfectly pleasant uh, just joke to put in there. Mm-hmm. And he never gets um, old. Yeah, J- Josh, do you, like, trying to relate this to other shows of the PBS kind of framework, how, how comedic do you find this show? I would put this at the top. Nothing. Comes yeah, this is pretty good. This is I pretty mean, good on its in its weight class. Very comedy focused. Yeah, looking at PBS. I mean, I don't know what's on PBS right like anymore now for children. I, I mean, I don't. I know that Arthur is still going, but that just ain't cutting it no more. That's just from the meme. Like that's uh, just from the fist meme. That's that's the momentum. That's really the only reason it's still going on. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just driving. It's 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 a self driving Twitter feed. Remember when it wasn't bad flash animation? No, I didn't watch the new stuff because no, of, of, of course I wouldn't. I wanted that like grainy, hand-drawn aesthetic. That was that's the nostalgia that I would get from it. See, what else do we have? We have this. We have uh, uh, Zoom. I don't think that's on no more. That wasn't a very funny show. Do, do we not remember no, that Zoom? Was more, that was more. That was more just like. Yeah. yeah that, that was that was more just like frenetic energy and that less kids like doing crap. comedy. Yeah. Is Zoom short for Zubumafu? No, but that's something else. Although okay. they actually got a spinoff too, the Crap Brothers. Now they have a cartoon on PBS. The who? The Crap so, Brothers. So the what? The Crap Brothers. Oh, oh, Crat. Crat. What oh, did you think crat. I said? Oh, never mind. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Now I know where you're going. Is Crat that. short for Pr- Chris Pratt? It's oh. uh, it's it's <laughs> it's Meritocrat. Um, um, this is at the top. I, should, Comedic wise, this is at the top. Hands down. So yeah, it, related to that, where does it land on the edutainment spectrum? Um, well, it taught kids words, but it's not as. I mean, where? Okay, so let's analyze that. Arthur taught you life lessons. Mm-hmm. Sesame, Very well. Sesame Street taught you letters and numbers and colors. The basics, correct? Still uh, use them every day. The aforementioned Zabumafu taught you about animals and stuff. Don't trust lemurs. Got it. Reading Rainbow taught you Lemurs how... never prosper. Wait. Yeah, that's Cheetahs right. Cheetahs <laughs> never prosper. Right. Lemurs don't prosper either. I don't know if you've looked at them. <laughs> yeah, it's Timon and that's it. Like, it's, uh, you know... <laughs> Too thin. Not top-heavy enough. Mr. Rogers <laughs> taught you that you're important. Or you're special yep. or whatever. Uh, I didn't see it. <laughs> what? Caillou taught you how to be annoying. And bald. <laughs> Bob never... Ross, Joy of Painting. That taught you how to paint. Uh, Legends from the Book of Virtues taught you a bunch of moralistic bullshit that was that is outmoded. Legends of the Hidden Temple oh. told you where to find the <laughs> silver monkey. That actually, I have actually it's used always on stuff. the pedestal. I learned stuff on that show that actually came in handy later in life. <laughs> yeah, don't get oh, caught what, by for Aztec most guards. Extreme elimination challenge lore. <laughs> they would do. They would. They told you a freaking legend in every episode. It's like you know Charles knew. Yeah. Oh yeah. The Reverend Charles knew would was the first bravest man of them all and went to the head of, and then he made a snow cone that ended up in the temple. Ponce de Leon <laughs> died in Clone High after being attacked by rotting garbage. Your quest <laughs> is to find. Oh. But, okay, so, like, we have a bunch of different edutainment things. I would argue, I, I think without much pushback, I don't expect much pushback from this, that by hooking you so hard with comedy, by having such a show, a show that is actually fun to watch, 
that it is easier to sell whatever, like the the spoonful of sugar of the comedy helps the medicine of the entertainment go down. I just wonder if they have the right mixture. Like, could they have pushed it further in the entertainment direction? And would that have been a good idea? Um, I mean, I feel like if if you go, I don't know. I worry I about going too hard with it, though. Me too. Yeah, I, I think they could have, but I don't think they should have for comedic reasons. I mean, you're getting two words per episode plus some interstitial, sh- interstitial stuff. Um, and... They explain the words really well. You can totally understand what the definition is, how to use it in a sentence. But, you know, pounds per square inch, like, you're not getting a lot of, of education density here. It is a comedy show first and foremost, and it, yeah. and you know it. I find this a lot more edutainment, like, uh, I find this a lot more effective in communicating the edutainment than something like, let's say Magic School Bus, just because yeah. I don't have much patience for it. Mm-hmm. I think that there is an age where your patience shifts to wanting things more like you know uh teletubbies and uh sesame street sounds and colors you can kind of put as much edutainment as you want in there and it's not going to you know the child's not going to get bored and wander off right <laughs> like Dude, they're more or less a captive audience once you've cracked that threshold are you guys the threshold aware- is different at this age right yeah i would agree do you guys ever watch know the weird al show not the Weird Al, Al TV, but he had a kid's yeah, show the, for one season. The story about a guy named Al who lived in the sewer yeah. with his hamster pal, but the sanitation workers really didn't approve, so he packed up his accordion and had to move to a city on a higher way, lived in a tree, and he worked in a nasally decongestant factory, and he played on the company bowling team, and every single night he had a, a strange recurring dream where he was wearing lederhosen and a vat of sour cream, but that's really not important to the story. Yeah, I remember the Weird Al show. Yeah, that one. <laughs> there, if you bought the DVD, yes, they put that show on DVD. It's a very funny show, but they were talking about how they were they had to be an educational show to meet the education thing that came out in 1990 or whenever. Um, and they were talking about how their numbers like were bad. Like, oh, well, we were doing well with two to five-year-olds. And they're like, well, I mean, like, if we just took a set of car keys and jingled them in front of the camera <laughs> yeah. for 30 minutes, we'd probably... I, that that's not great market research. We, we'd probably have really to very much. Up, which is the thing with Teletubbies is... Yeah. Diabetics are really into insulin medicine. <laughs> they they love it. They, they crave it. <laughs> I'm a 20 year old guy. I liked watching Word Girl. I enjoyed it. I enjoy watching yeah. Reading Rainbow. I don't know if anyone outside of that age range of two to five would ever want to watch Teletubbies. We're, mm-hmm. we're what we we're, you're what you what we call an outlier, Josh. Not to <laughs> oh, be so like, everybody wants to, to watch Teletubbies. Point on it. So Teletubbies is huge with the. It's the universal human experience. That's why they put the human face in the sun. <laughs> it's that horrifying baby face. Yeah, it was like they're What are you teaching the kids? <laughs> Fire Fred Ro- another show that Fred Rogers hated because it was like, oh god, technology mixed with humans, Ugh, creepy. Because um, the sun is they, our mother, and to the sun we shall the, all return. They have the TV in their chest. That's really creepy. Uh, which I agree with him on that. That is kind of creepy. Um, I don't like. I don't know. I feel like if you push it too hard, eventually kids are going to go. Oh, this is baby shows. Yeah I, yeah, I agree. I like. I don't like being pandered to. It just yeah. uh, it made me wonder because that's such a weird ad. In shows like this, you're trying to balance entertainment and education, and I don't. Uh, I don't have a firm understanding of where the line is. This appealed to me, but I. I it just made me wonder. Like, was it in a correct? Uh, I feel like the range is pretty narrow where it's a success, 
but it seems like mm-hmm. this hit it. Uh, it just made me wonder, like, if there was a direction in which it went too far, which direction is that? But maybe I, that maybe this was perfect, right on the money. I, I can't money. think of what else they could have done to put make it more educational other than put more words to define in. And that feels like it would just drag it down. Or flash. Right. Well, the, and they also yeah. have that bit, bit of moralistic in it, right? With the storytelling, like, you know, her stepping out of the way so that the, the, the group, Candace or whatever, can solve the problem. Was her name Candace, the, the oh, normal the friend, one? the friend uh, um, Violet Heaslip. Man, Violet. with the, the last name, too. Back. You yeah, really don't fuck around with this show, this. Josh. <laughs> you, like, do your, do your research. Yeah, I phoned this one in pretty hard, so, like, I'm, I'm being put to shame here. But Toby, you're robots. That's my violent impression. Um, That's, I mean, yeah. Just was she soft doing like voice. the flower child thing, or or what was yeah, her deal? Yeah, her mom's like a. We see her mom like once, and it's like she she lives on a commune, mm-hmm. and she's the art one, the art one that I hated growing up because I sucked at art. Yeah. So it was you jealousy. Were, you guys were art people, weren't you? You guys were the ones that could like draw, weren't you? No, not no. At all. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah I'm among. We, we were also resentful toward artists. I'm among. Yeah, my but that peers. was that was more of a like, I expected proficiency with math to bring me happiness, and it hasn't. No. It must be all those artists getting in the way. I just couldn't get my shapes to work right, and I got bored easily. You 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 graduated into a fine shape, Zane. I keep telling you. Oh, thank you. I've been chiseling it. Uh, chiseling. De- definition, please. Uh, that's what Jay-Z says when he's chilling. <laughs> oh, so like how when I'm, I'm at the pool. So when I'm at the pool, wow. I'm chiseling. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Goodness. Okay. I, that's a, that's a good number of egg points right there. <laughs> like, grats. Grats. I'm not Grazie. good with the puns, even though I had that one pun that one time. But yeah, um. But I also like that they work in the words in different modalities. So in addition to using it organically and asking for definitions, um, they also have those um, bonus game segments where they're like, this is what it looks like, you know? Or like, here's examples of it. Like, they, they, they mix it around. The only oh, the one that doesn't show, work. Yeah, the, the game show mm-hmm. segment? Can we talk about mm-hmm. that for a bit? Okay, so... Bo Handsome? The game show segment, or as I like to call it, the non-union segment that PBS has to put in for syndication reasons. Oh, uh, Really? Yeah, you guys don't. So, do you want to know why? Walk me they, through that. Do you want to know <laughs> yeah, why? Yeah, I need to know this. So, do you want to know why they have that? And now, word from us kids on Arthur. You want to know why? Yeah, they do that here too. Because PBS doesn't. PBS doesn't have commercials. They're not gonna. They don't put a commercial in there. But when they right. when mm. they sell this overseas to another market, like when this airs in like Germany, this isn't uh-huh. going to air on public television in Germany. This will air on a regular network in Germany. Yeah, get those cold hard German. They have to put Euros. something in there that they can take out. <laughs> so that they can put a commercial in. That's the purpose of this, mm. and it's non-union, so you don't have to you don't have to pay royalties to the people, and you know. And you know what else it does? Gives us some variety, breaks it up, because we're used to commercial breaks. So to not have a commercial break, I think would actually be pretty pretty. Uh, it would be kind of a pace killer. Yeah, I'm always a fan of mixing up the pace of a show. You know, like it's a rare show where usually you get like two 11 minute segments or whatever. I like it when it's like. 111, 1713, and then a punchy joke. Like, mix like, it what, like Garfield and Friends had the quickie segments, which was the best part of the show because, like, it was just a comic strip. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, that's what they do well, right? Yeah. Um, no, so, so they it. do the game show. Uh, I really with... like Bo Handsome as a name for a game show host, by the way. <laughs> it's perfect. He's yeah. like, yeah. clearly written by comedians. Again, I'm just going to say that every time. Go ahead. There was a rumor on the internet that I read because I read a lot of internet growing up. 
that they were going to do an episode the where they internet? had, they were going to invite all the big name real life game show hosts for an episode. Oh, nice. And they didn't do that, which made Josh sad. That's a shame. But Bo Handsome is is your typical Wink Martindale type game show host who, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is just all about the show. And hey, <laughs> you did a great. There was a documentary. I'm about to I'm about to drop some uh, some sadness. There was a documentary back in like 2006 or 2007 Boy, where they were talking about the early game shows of the 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. And they're talking, which is actually true. So Chuck Woolery is being interviewed for this thing, and he's talking about game show hosts back then. Back then, you had hosts who were just like you'd have a contestant who would come on and would be like, "Oh, you know, I'm sorry I couldn't be here for last week's show," or like, "Oh, hey, it's great to have you back." And the contestant would go, "You know, oh, I'm sorry I couldn't be here for this week's show. You know, my mother died, and I had to, you know, go to her funeral." And then the host would go. Well, it's great to have you here this week. Let's get on with the game. Like just that's like, what Bo Hansen. Why don't they vet contestants in the fifties? It's like it's like their brain just like statics yeah. over whatever the other person says because they know they gotta respond the same way anyway. <laughs> I'm that's receiving Hans- directives. That's Bo Hansen. He's just you know oh oh you didn't win oh it's too bad oh but you're gonna be okay. You know? Yeah, it's like yeah. he's created for it in a lab. Yeah. And they they use this opportunity to squeeze an extra joke. So like the whole "let's see what you've won." It's something ridiculous. It was like it's a giant paperclip. And a, no, no, Enjoy. no, it's an, no, it's an official word girl giant paperclip. Ah, yes. And then all the kids are like, "Why the hell would we need that?" I just remember one. It was a bubble jetpack. It's the official yeah. word girl bubble power jetpack. Oh, that's a good thing I didn't win. I'm allergic to bubbles. Good thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah the, it's it feels like the jokes that they wrote out of the main show. They just like were like, well, we we have all these extra jokes. They don't make a lot of sense, so let's put them in something that doesn't need a lot of momentum to carry. Let's make this our sort of nonsensical segment, if that makes mm-hmm. if you if if you're kind of catching my drift. You know, they kind of have those nonsensical beats in Freakazoid where yeah. they're just like, we have a tight five of a guy talking about how important ratings are in movies. Yes. And we couldn't fit it into Freakazoid. So let's just show it on its we own. Took, <laughs> like, we already we took wrote the it. already loose standard of the plot structure in this and just relaxed it a little further. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. But it still fits within the tone of it, is the thing. <laughs> is it still yeah. silly? Like, the main thing is silly. This is just silly-er, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it still fits. Yeah. And, and they do the same thing that they did in Arthur where they, they ask the kids. And they animate children who are saying, like, what their favorite word is. And some of them the, are can like... Can do the theme? Favorite word, what's your favorite word? And it's got Scoops. I love the Scoops picture of Scoops with the microphone. Yeah, he's so excitable. He's so happy to be interviewing children about what their favorite words are. I mean, to be honest, if that wasn't the creepiest thing I could imagine <laughs> doing, I would love doing that too. He's going up to children oh. asking them, what's your favorite word? I need your favorite word, favorite lizard. And social security. <laughs> I know this is a total tangent, but do you know what else is? Do you know what might be the gold standard, maybe diamond standard for breaking up the pace of an episode? Mm. The Uncle Traveling Matt segments from Fraggle Rock. Ooh, yeah. Because oh, yeah. it's the same tone, but it's like a little highlight. It's like it's a, a cherry different on top. show that's stopping by. Yeah, just stopping by just to say hi. Just stop up to say hello, and now I'm going back down below. <laughs> we're we're not going to clip that in again. <laughs> <laughs> we're from Austin Powers, why not? Well, I feel like we have a we've reached the limit on Austin Powers clips. <laughs> okay, fair fair enough. We have to we don't have to pay the royalty to Mike Myers. It's like six That's grand true. every time we put that damn clip in. <laughs> <laughs> it's really it's really cutting into my candy money. <laughs> but um, do you prefer it when they're asking the favorite words of like older children who like? 
have interesting words and can give reasons why or like a, or like when they do a small child and it's like bacon because I like bacon <laughs> I love uh, I prefer the older kids just because of you know what they come up because their words are more interesting their words are the words I came up with like my favorite word growing up was zeal yeah oh. it's a good one yeah. what was you your... can't use it that much back then yeah. very few zealots yeah <laughs> uh, mine was uh, flossy nossy nilipilification for what I hope are obvious reasons. Yeah, I'm glad you picked that and not the typical anti-disestablishment. Everyone picks that freaking word. Anti-disestablishmentarianism. Yeah. Is that really the longest word? No, it's not. That's got to be a longer word now. Uh, when you get into the like uh, chemical names of things, yeah. it can get pretty exhausting. I must have just been a very negative child because I only had like unfavorite words. words Ooh, I archipelago. That's another favorite. Archipelago? I pronounce it archipelago. Osmosis. <laughs> Hypnotist. Hypnotist. <laughs> Hypnotist. Um, what were we talking about? Yeah, the inter- the the interstitials. If you had any other uh, comments on those, well, I'm the game show guy, so I know all about the game shows, and it's just the perfect parody of a game show. From although we have yes. the same contestants every week, so I would have liked also some funny. variety. Maybe like one of the supervillains showed up or something. But like, if you put too much effort into it, then you start losing the like we can take these out later aspect. Yeah. Well, you can... I think it just yeah. needed to be sweet and short, yeah. Well, you can put the supervillain in there, but you can't have the supervillain voiced by whoever... Oh, yeah. Because it's because it's non-union. You can't... So, so it's union, yeah. You can't have... Uh, I know online it says, like, Ryan Raditz is the voice of Bo Hansen. It's like, no, he's not. It's not the same voice. <laughs> who, who is Ryan Raditz? <laughs> Ryan Raditz is... Uh, you remember uh, Kyle Kra- Kakarot and, uh, and uh, Bruce Vegeta? I think it's, he's, the, he's her brother. I like how you didn't even try to find a V name. <laughs> Nope. nope. What? Victor? Vincenzo? Vlad? Vincenzo? Vlad? Vlad Vinny? Vegeta. Hey, it's me, Vlad Vegeta. <laughs> Victor, Vlad. Uh, anyway. salesman, uh, I guess. He's the guy who does the voice for <laughs> Mr. Botsford and Scoops, and he wrote a bunch of episodes of this show. I see. So one of the, other, right. one of the other advantages of this show is uh, three of the actors on it are writers on it for the show. Yeah. So, so like, ad-libbing is easy. Yeah. Yeah, it... it it did not. Uh, it does not feel like it. Uh, like like too many cooks dragged it down. Right. Like this, this feels like it was a creative endeavor that was created by the right number of people. It doesn't feel like overcooked. Like some mm-hmm. of the jokes are, you know, stupid enough that it does, they don't feel written by committee, which is something I'm especially tender to these days for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, yeah, the only so, other character I wanted to touch on was the narrator and the use of the narrator oh, in this. I have yeah. one other guy I want to talk about, but go ahead. We can talk with the narrator. <laughs> Is there, don't you, you guys, you got it. You had to have seen an episode with this other guy in it, but. Almost Dad, certainly I, I have didn't. had. I think so. I, I, saw, I watched three episodes. Okay. You don't, okay. I watched more. Maybe but, this, if this will, how many did you watch? There's quite a cast. Okay. Yeah. Help. You go first. Chuck the evil sandwich guy making guys attacking the city. You don't remember him? Oh god, this guy, the the guy, this like weird hipster beatnik who <laughs> He looks like alerts. me. Alerts. Oh, well, no offense. He kind of looks like me. None taken. Yeah. So, he's the one who alerts Word Girl to all of the problems mm-hmm. because he like thinks he's in a police station. Is this what? A Explain poli- to me the joke here. <laughs> is this a police station? No, this is your home. <laughs> this I'm is my car wash. Wa- this is your house. I'm your <laughs> wife. Oh, thanks, honey. Yeah. <laughs> like he's just this guy. He's and his his official entry on the because I looked up because I'm like, what is the name of this character? He doesn't have a name. He's just exposition. Is he's, he's listed as exposition guy. <laughs> yeah. Mm. 
He's just, yeah, it's an odd choice, and this is where it kind of veers a little too far into that yeah. cheap in the big city thing, where it's like I feel like they could have uh, they could have spent a little more time on making this good. They have a few characters like this in Gravity Falls, like the Get 'Em guy, which is yeah. was funny the first time, and I I cringe every time I see him now. Tyler it's the Rob Kupiker. Schneider effect. Is this the Schneider effect? Is this the Schneider paradox? No, the the Rob Schneider thing where he says one funny thing in one Adam Sandler movie and now he's got to do it all the time. Yeah, yeah it does feel like that. And like, yeah, it, it, it is not my favorite way to make a joke. Um, let's talk about the narrator quickly. Yeah. Uh, this is voiced by Chris Parnell, who mm-hmm. does Jerry Smith on Rick and Morty and Cyril from Archer. So he's, you know, more of the modern incarnations. But narrator is a banging casting decision yeah whenever he was like saying a word and enunciating it perfectly my in my head it's just like cyril figures, figures. <laughs> he's yeah, yeah great great voice. he's like the happy narrator he's the antithesis of the Fillmore narrator he's the one that he actually communicates with word girl on occasion yeah yeah, yeah he's, a, he's the, a character who is the city of townsville narrator was that jeff bennett uh no that was the um, city tom townsville tom was that t- Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Tom Kenny. Um, yeah, there, there is a certain kind of voice like that. That combination, uh, you know, calming yet exuberant yet professional dad vibe. Yeah, distant father. Distant father. Yes, no <laughs> eye contact. Uh, Calling that, that home, makes for... making sure that you got money for the pizza, but not really asking how you're doing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that it, this is a good role for him. I want to see Chris Parnell in more roles like this. Mm-hmm. It is very well cast. Did you enjoy the narrator in the context of the World Girl like does the narrator do anything or is he just yeah. a vehicle for jokes? Like No, he, do, he does. Like they, they they respond to him. It's yeah. very Deadpool. Well, he's I mean, he's there. I mean, he helps the plot along like, you know, meanwhile, in the villainous lair, sure. you know, which is what they would do in the 50s. You know, meanwhile, in the lair of Lex Luthor. Um, in a balding. <laughs> yeah. What are up with bald? We have bald characters on the show. I, I can't get into Lex Luthor's baldness no. again. No, we're good. <laughs> it's too good. It is very, very good. Does this um, mean let, Caillou's going to grow up to be Lex Luthor? Uh, anyway, go ahead. Ooh, like a Pokemon so. evolution? Or like the it's evolution it, and of then man. Mr. Clean. Charlie Brown, Ca- Caillou, Charlie Brown, uh, <laughs> Lex Luthor, and then uh, what? Mr. Clean. Yeah. Mr. Clean. Yeah. Um. Let Let's move into something else because I, I think okay. we're we're getting a little bit too around around the rabbit hole of uh of different the characters because this is so many characters in this. This is yeah, it's such a character driven show. But go ahead. That's the focus. The yeah. creator said that one of the highlights of this show was animation, and I don't know what they meant. Can you can you guys kind of help me figure out like what about this has? It's it's good animation. It's mm-hmm. it's you know nice and fluid. But I couldn't shake Dora the Explorer. I wouldn't go Dora the Explorer. Um, but it is flash animation. It's very, but it looks like a co- it looks like a comic book. It's got those bright colors. It looks very much like a Superman comic from the forties or sixties. Yeah, it's not just the you know the backgrounds and the um, and the the panel and like the framing of it. It's bold outlines, simple shapes, and the way that they move, they snap to their key poses. Right, so you'll have one stance and then another stance, and there will be a single frame where it's the in-between, and they just jump right to the next one. And it, and it works. It works here because they know what they're doing. They're not using it willy-nilly, but it does add to that sense of the show. As for why it's a highlight, I think it's just because, like, 
like you say, we're comparing it to Dora the Explorer. Yeah, like where it looks like a children's done. comic book, <laughs> like it's, a children's it's, book. It's definitely competently done. Is that enough I mean, to make it a highlight? I don't know. Like, where did you? Where did? Like, where? I'm curious what the context of this. Like, does she say? Is this yeah, an interview or is this something that's written on Wikipedia? Because Wikipedia, I don't trust a lot of what they well, say. Well, it's a quote. So, yes, it's on Wikipedia, but it's just a, a wholehearted quote. I mean, you uh, can, type, type the yeah. whole quote into Google. And, yeah, try to find the, the source. Because there's... So, Captain... So, I think if you go online, it's... I think on Wikipedia, it says Captain Huggyface is voiced by James Adome. Uh, James Adomian, yeah. What, what is this? How do you say it? Because I don't know this guy. Adomian? Yeah, that's his he, name. He does a lot of voice acting okay. on Comedy Bang Bang, like, for... Uh, he, he pretends to be famous people like Paul Giamatti. <laughs> it's very good. I'm, it's, so it says on Wikipedia that he's the voice of Captain Huggyface. I'm going to go out and say, no, he's not. That's a... That's a. Yeah, it's on the Word Girl, it's on the Word Girl uh, uh, fandom as well. Yeah, the, again. The fandom site. Well, that's the... Mm-hmm. People just... Because I literally got in... So with my Takeshi's Castle thing, MXC thing, I literally had a guy who told me, like, well, Wikipedia says this, so you're wrong. And I'm like, I know more about that show than <laughs> you'll ever dream of knowing. <laughs> like... I, it's I, oh, okay, but yeah. like I, I guess so. Like maybe it doesn't. It just uh, World World's f- focuses on great stories, characters, and animation. I I struggle to find that being taken out of context. I guess. Uh, yeah, you got a good point there. Um, I have to defend Wikipedia in the way that I use it because, like, when I look at it for pop culture stuff, yeah, you know, it's hit or miss. When I look at it for science facts, it's actually always right. Yes, because <laughs> it's my first go-to no one... resource for looking stuff up. Yeah, no one is going to have like a uh, no one's going to have a hot take that is uninformed on like the the boiling point pH. of acetic acid. Yeah, the, the pH balance at which like peas grow. You know, like that's just not a thing that people have strong, unfounded opinions on. Right, you'll get some uh, stuff that's like, out of context it's, though. That's what it's it dismissed weird. in scientific like classes growing up. Like you're not allowed to use Wikipedia for this stuff. Like why can't they use Wikipedia? On the other hand, can I imagine a, like a weird fanboy going in and uh, insinuating on Wikipedia that James Adomian is in more things than he is? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I can see that. I'm just telling you my personal experience with James Adomian. I'm bl- I'm blowing the minds of all the Word Girl fans. You mean James Ado- uh, James Adomian is Adomian. not the voice of Captain Huggy Face? What? I I think he is. He's doing a Frank Welker, I guess. I don't know why. He's credited sometimes, and he's not credited. He's only credited like. Half the time, and there's oh, no. Oh, you think he was like the you? You think he was the actual real life character of Captain Huggy Face's like understudy or something when he was busy with like you know red carpet affairs? I have I no think, idea. I, I think, think they this, just used monkey sounds from a CD. This is going to have to be our conspiracy for this episode because we're going to need to go deep on but this. But the James one. Adomian is secretly a monkey. This is your next viral video. Okay. <laughs> um. I, I don't have anything to do with that, Zane. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, let's move on. So, yeah, yeah uh, uh, we did a little bit about the animation. Any, did we want anything else about that? I just don't have much. Like it's, the yeah. the the models are fine, but they're just very uh, cartoon coloring book kind of aesthetic, which is not my favorite and is not my least favorite. I don't have much to say. Flash was supposed to be this big thing that was going to come out, and you watch a lot of early Flash cartoons from like the 2000s, like ones that were intended to air on television, and you're like. This is the future of animation. Mm-hmm. It is pleasant well, and bearable. <laughs> it is. It is hard to say more about a thing that is both pleasant and bearable and unremarkable. Are there any? F- you you have to compare it to other PBS infotainment shows. And this yeah. is more competent at using it. Correct. It's just not. It's not blowing my socks off or anything, but it's competent. Yeah. So, like, what more can you say about it? Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. I can say more about the music and sound because this, I think, is quite good. Mm-hmm. 
So, well, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. You go ahead. Uh, no, you, you, no, you go No, I was just going to say, because they reuse a lot of the, the, a lot of the, I think they made like nine tracks and then they just reuse, which is not an uncommon thing, but I notice it very yeah. much with this show. Mm-hmm. They they have some strong leitmotif going on, which is one of my favorites. You know, when you have a jazz theme for, for leisure, or you're introducing somebody who's on the face of it going to be a hard ass, and they got kind of the military drum beat or like good trumpet for action scenes. It's it's a lot like those uh, the jokes of with the characters' names being their own joke. It's like it's not at the forefront. It's not overpowering. It's just additive to what's already there. So, general mm-hmm. appreciation for the leitmotif work. Yeah, I liked that the, um, you know, I I heard the background xylophone show up a lot, like these chime sounds dun, 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 uh, dun, used dun. to to punctuate their movements or like, oh, we're going to hear a word now. Like it, it just sort of keys you in to pay attention to certain moments. But aside from that, I wasn't too aware of, of what was going on. Like when the word's being defined, you mean? Like Yeah, yeah. It, it was the emph- like the audio emphasis here was on the words. And the voice acting, because, you know, these are recognizable voices. I, I will say I really appreciated the, uh, the 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 emphasis on, like, jazz. Like, bass line with piano was pretty strong in a lot of the, epi- in the episodes that I watched. And just as a person who generally likes background jazz music, I, I thought that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the dialogue itself, I think, is probably one of the stronger elements of this as, you know... Written by comedians, again. Um, the, the, like, the jokes, you're just self-aware in a way that doesn't annoy me. There's a, there's one of the one of the episodes has a, the cheese guy, Dr. Dr. Two, Two Brains. Yeah. Do you think that was like a... Do you think that was a Two-Face riff? Maybe? I think it's a part Two-Face, part, like, Incredible Hulk type. Or, no, because it's, Do- it's Doc Ock. It's Doc Ock. That's who he's supposed to be. Well, there's, there's so Might be many... Both. This, this genre is so played out that it's referencing a ton of stuff. In addition to yeah. that stuff, it's like, yeah, the classic mad scientist trope. Like, if you Google, uh, like, an image search for cartoon mad scientist, it just looks like this guy. Yeah. I mean, all the, all the, you can even go all the way back to Jekyll and Hyde if you wanted to. Yeah. And the idea of two brains as, like, oh, super smart guy. Why is he super smart? Well, he's got two brains. But the second one being a mouse. So he's just, like ever so slightly smarter than everyone else like it's it's that contrast aspect of jokes. Sure, I don't think sure. that the brain actually made him smart though I think he was already smart and then he got a mouse brain which just made it him gave him cheese. confidence like in that episode of it's always sunny <laughs> in any case uh, <laughs> he, he at one point says something like uh, man I wish that worked I wish I wish this had I'm not gonna even try to do a Tom Kenny I can do it and I, I wish that had, I wish that had this had worked out a different way I'm so uh, Featured word. What's the featured word? Dismayed. <laughs> Dismayed. Yeah. Like it, the the fourth wall breaking nature of that, I just think is really paced well in a way that doesn't get in the way. Um, I think in the same episode, he says something to the effect of, "When it comes to mad athletic skills, no one can beat a brilliant scientist who stays inside all day and eats cheese." <laughs> yeah. and he just says it with such confidence. Like the read of it is really good. So mm-hmm. good writing and good read. It's a good combination. Uh, and I think it's, you know, it's em- embellished by the situations that they're put into. Um, <laughs> they're so silly. Yeah, like, like I said with... Super uh, villainy in silly, normal, mundane situation is like my favorite thing. Yeah, like with Sandwich Guy in the Sandwich Press like room and he's just talking about how much he misses like living in his mother's basement. Yeah. <laughs> Chucky Bear! Mommy's going to the store! Ma! 
that's a that's a Wallowitz right there. You know. And then there's just like classic cartoon jokes like, oh, dad has rival other dad. Uh, who is this? Oh, yeah, it's Todd's dad. Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw a lot of Fairly Odd Parents stuff going on here, honestly. Mm-hmm. I saw that too, like, but uh, I liked this. So. I, you, you didn't like Fairly Odd Parents? No, I got, I, I thought it was too stupid. I don't yeah, like. I mean, it is, it is stupid. They had, they had nary a featured word. Yeah. Yeah. I just get to the point where it's, it's one of the reasons why I don't like the DuckTales reboot. Uh, just because I'm just like, Ooh. yeah. Oh, uh, hard opinion on that. Oh, okay. I didn't like original Ducktales, so the the new one at least had modern sensibilities, and you could tell the ducklings apart. That that helps. Are you colorblind? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm ear blind. Match them to the name. Well, I guess Dewey was the green one because they were both the shittiest. That was easy enough. Red, no, Dewey blue, was the green. blue one. No, blue. No, uh, it wasn't. Huey, Dewey, Louie. Louie is green. Huey is blue, and I think. Louis, no. Oh, now we're having trouble. No, uh, Louis is green because it's like Luigi. And then Huey is red because that's the strongest hue. And then Dewey is... Wait, did I say Dewey already? <laughs> <laughs> no, you said Luigi. Okay, I, I have... Way back, do you want me to, right do you want to, to know? Luigi. <laughs> I, no, yeah, she, I actually don't want to know. Okay, I have a I burning wanna, curiosity. This will be like the mystery, mystery. Of, of our lifetime of like what color is... Mm-hmm. I do find the um, the plot synopsis very similar to Fairly Odd Parents, though, which is why I, I keep on thinking about it because it's it's so um, yeah. There, there's no no explanation required. We just start there. We just, well, the, yeah. Superpowers because different planet is is the I, conceit of Word Girl. Um, wish granting because sad child is the conceit of Fairly Odd Parents. <laughs> yeah, like, there is so little startup. I feel like I mean I don't know. I feel like the characters in the show are more empathetic. Are more em- yeah. You can empathize they're, with the characters on this show more than you could for They are parents. a lot less slapstick. Yeah. I will grant you. Yeah, there's there's more humanity to them. I agree that like the the similarity between the plot structure of Fairly Odd Parents in this is like Becky has every superpower. She's like Superman. So like that's not the problem. The problem is like there, there's other things getting in the way of a resolution. Like she doesn't know yes. when they're going to strike or, you know, oh, she had to outsmart somebody. Like it, yes. it's it's never about the power. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that also some of the comedy of it is similar. Like uh, like you said, with the dad rival is a is a well worn thing, and the one that immediately jumps to mind is Dinkelberg. Mm-hmm. Um, that being kind of the reoccurring joke there. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not trying to thread you know those two shows together too much. I just think that they are similar no, in certain I, ways. I think it's I think it's important to mention that they're not breaking new comedic ground here. They're just doing it well. Yeah, and in a way that uh that uh, allows it to get edutainment through like again like i said spoonful of sugar i think is the yeah. way that this show best kind of kind of identifies mm-hmm. now did you learn anything from fairly odd parents didn't think so um i mean like i i learned that uh one of my favorite uh tropes is uh military commander like this is probably where my <laughs> love of roger lee Army began does this show have a military character yeah, Jorgen von Strangle. No, I'm being word. No, I'm being word girl. Oh, does this one? Uh, give me a minute. Uh, they had the police warden who made jokes oh, yeah. about about trying to escape from prison, which landed about as well as you'd expect with a group of a uh, group of six. <laughs> I kind of like six through ten year olds. I kind of like. I kind of like just how far he goes with the whole eating his hat thing. I'll eat my yeah. hat. Like, 
Ah, dang it. That's another thing with, like, the whole self-aware humor is he says it so many times that people just start cutting him off. Yeah, we got it. Yeah, you do not have to eat your hat. You don't have to eat the hat, you know. Put it down. Drop it. Drop (laughs) it. No, no, no. I insist. (laughs) What's in your mouth? Legitimately, what is in your mouth? (laughs) I cannot tell. He's an adult. Let him, if he wants to eat his hat, you know. Yeah, I'm sorry. I thought this was America or ambiguous country. (laughs) This is ambiguous country. Ambiguously. Yeah, um, but hmm? generally really strong writing, really strong written, uh, really strong acting. Um, I think that this show is very quality. I just didn't have much of an appetite for it. Mm. I could I could honestly watch more. It's uh, it's very easy to watch. The yeah, the the humor is very punchy. There's always one extra unexpected twist to, to keep my attention than in a lot of shows. Um, yeah. and I like you know it, this is this is my version of a word a day calendar. I think. That um, one of the things you're looking for for edutainment is something that uh, a parent can watch with a child and not like yeah. be just yeah. grinding their teeth through the whole thing. And this would definitely qualify. Mm-hmm. This qualifies. I'm always good at picking these things that qualifies both. Except Sonic, that doesn't qualify as anything. I <laughs> Sonic was Sonic. for no one. <laughs> Bite your tongue. Yeah. I loved the I loved the backstory of that. <laughs> That one's only for adults. On the scale um, of on the patented, on Josh's patented scale, where one is Sonic the Hedgehog and ten is Fillmore, where does Word Girl fall? Ooh, I don't like that scale because, like, to me, that's like a seven to ten scale. Okay, give me a minute. On a scale of one to ten, on the patented Josh scale, where one is Generator Rex and ten is Ooh. Fillmore, <laughs> where is Word Girl? Yeah, at least an eight. Like it's, it's very. This is a very yeah. quality show. I'm glad I picked quality. Were there any? Were there any that someone said, "Okay, let's do this show. Let's do this show." You guys did it. And you're like, "Oh God, why did you pick this show?" Yes, I, I do that to Zane all the time. Uh, oh, Zane yeah. does that to me all the time. It's great. <laughs> it's our. It's our. Uh, he he did Generator Rex and Chief in the Big City, and I made him watch Beavis and Butthead do America. I'm sorry. Um, we're roughly even, I think. I th- I think we're about even. Yeah. <laughs> well, that um, only does nicely into. Uh... You know, looking at what's next. Ooh. Yeah, true True enough, yeah. Um, so, Zane, what is, uh, what is next? I'm asking for... you. Oh. It's Bobby's World, right? Uh-huh. Oh, Bobby's World. Very nice, you, yeah. You know, I, mean, I, did not, Bob. I knew that we were doing Word Girl. I did not know what age group it was for, so I picked something in the same age group, but a much older show. So I'm, I'm excited I think to we're look gonna at be the spending, differences. I think we're going to be spending a lot more time talking about, like, John Tesh? Oh, no, because it's a comedy. It's a comedian. <laughs> oh, yep. It's the same thing. It's the same thing, though. You get to talk about right. John Tesh, though. That's something. He did the music. You can make Entertainment oh, Tonight he? jokes. I like nice. John Tesh. I think. Who I'll am take. I thinking of? No, you're thinking of Red Rocks. I'm probably be talking a lot about the era of our lives in which we watched a lot of Power Rangers and that that was just in the same... Uh, same block. See, I didn't grow yeah, up that in the same block. I didn't grow up in the terrible Thunder Lizards. I didn't grow up with Fox Kids, so I have no concept of Power Rangers. Mm, missing out, man. Are uh, you familiar with the Super Sentai? That might be how you know them. Yeah, I, oh, I yeah. prefer the. I was I was watching the original in Japanese <laughs> version with the Philistines. Um, is that Cave Guy? Is that Cave Guy again? That's pretty good, Cave Guy. Yeah, that's just, that's just Cave Guy. That's Have that's back straight on for Freakazoid. Got to use that right from the tap. At the Royal Shakespearean Academy, where I started, Richard the uh, Third. That's uh, that's, oh, uh, that's, ben. that's uh that's um Thurston Howell the uh, Third, Jim Backus from Gillian's Island. Oh my God! Yeah, that I wonder if that was the uh, I wonder if that was the inspiration for Cave Guy because it's Probably. very similar. 
Probably. Zane, what were you going to say? Oh, bet. Like, for, for 200th episode, we got to do Freakazoid, and we can have, like, guest clips. Every every guest we've ever had does a villain. That would be great. I, so I <laughs> would really like to figure out somebody who would be able to, you know, capture capture the majesty of Candle Jacket. <gasps> oh, no! No, they, they, they all come to the party dressed as cave guy. Now they're going to come. Well, <laughs> one of us is going to have to change. <laughs> By the way, I, I we were... We, watching that show when i was in in uh, high school like i actually we got so into it that i would never we would actually call him candle ja we didn't want to say his name <laughs> candle ya candalia <laughs> but totally um yeah so we're gonna do bobby's world i think it'll be interesting to watch something that is vaguely for the same age group but is from a different era and has a mm-hmm. very different uh focus so yeah. uh zane what are we doing after bobby's world well, Ben, my big motivation for our next movie segment was I wanted to do something that was a crossover of some sort. That's right, because the first crossover we did, it's been a while, we did um, Flintstones versus the Jet Starks, I think is what you called it. <laughs> something to that effect, yeah. Then it's been a while, um, and this is one that uh, um, we have mentioned for a long time. And I'm not sure how well it will go, uh, okay. but we're going to check out the Jimmy Timmy Power Hour. I was, oh. I was wondering, because we've done both of those, so like we could even qualify this as like a, a, a leftovers of some sort. Heaven have yeah, yeah. mercy on your souls, my friend. Ugh. Yeah, I'm not expecting it to be no. good, um, but I do think that there are three of them, and that way we can gauge if we want to watch more than the first, and the first one's only like 40 minutes. I can, I can manage 40 minutes, especially if it's diluted. With it, like if if you can cut my Jimmy with my Timmy, like I I'll I'll dislike it less. You know. I don't think you remember just how bad that's, those models. That's looked. like that's like putting a pill. That's like putting my medicine in some peanut butter so that I can swallow it. <laughs> would Would you rather watch uh, Planet Sheen? Ew. No. Oh no. No, thank you. That sounds really terrible. Um. No. I I really I do I vaguely to- recall how timmy looks in jimmy's like yeah oh it's in, bad in you, you <laughs> forget teeth. you get used to the idea that jimmy looks correct and he never actually does but when you see it with fresh eyes through timmy's model yeah I, and i wanted to do a bad movie because i want the next movie to be really good okay fair enough i have uh, planned already josh if you if you had a choice to uh if you had a choice between um fairly odd parents and uh jimmy neutron which would you choose to watch um, Gun to my head. Yes. Which oh, would you Gundam? least like to I watch? I don't think you can watch Gundam. Uh, oh, is Gundam going to come back? No? Okay. Gundam. Okay, so uh, 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 you put a gun to my head, I would pick... I don't know. I'd probably pick Jimmy Neutron. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I, I wouldn't, but uh, it makes sense to me. I, yeah, I'm sorry. I just, can, uh... do, I just can't do... I don't know. I, I Fairly Appearance just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, they, they they look like melted wax figurines, whereas Jimmy Neutron looks like wax that's currently melting while I watch it. Yeah. Best the, case scenario, the, the movie will be will just be hilariously bad and we can riff on it. Uh, <laughs> worst case scenario, we can just like bring back all of the conspiracy theories from those episodes. <laughs> oh, fun. I, I don't remember them, so that'll be a fun trip down memory road. Well, Jimmy Neutron worshiped the devil. <laughs> you don't worship the devil. Um, 
Thank you, Josh, for coming on our show. Yeah. Uh, is there anywhere that people can find you if they would like to, uh, you know, follow you online? Go to the JM Archives on YouTube, or you can find me on Facebook. I'm working on the website right now. You can hear my interviews with Paul Abeda, um, Hope Holiday. You can hear interviews with Wayne Cox. You get to hear. So uh, this is the big context. So I guess do people know that I'm a Japanese game show historian. I don't know if we established that up. I really don't know. Did we establish that's what it was up front? I don't uh, think I realized that. I thought you were just like interested in 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 it in that one particular franchise so much that you decided to do research on it. Well, that's part of it. But um, so I'm like the official English language because you know I've been on I've so this is my pickup line for women when I like meet women online <laughs> on Christian Mingle or cool. something. It's like I've been profiled <laughs> on Ripley's Believe It or Not. <laughs> for not. Uh, I'm the ja- I'm because I guess I'm the only one that cares. I'm the guy that knows all about the Japanese game shows, the guy that actually did the damn research. So there's a show. There was a show in the '80s uh, that was like a. It was like a. Um, do we know what real people was? Do we know what that's incredible was? Nope. No, I'm afraid do, not. Okay, so it was like a profile show where they would go around the world and they would profile like lumberjacks in Canada or George Washington's house or uh, you know windmills in Holland they would do these kind of international profiles from around the world and they had like a so they would do these sort of panel profile sort of human interest piece and then they would have a panel of five people Uh, Mm -hmm. one was a very famous comedian named Takeshi Kitano Uh, one was a guy named Ichisawa Koji one was always a then they had three rotating seats one was a woman but they would always have a so what they would do is they would have to guess how much like they have a windmill. How much does this windmill cost in <laughs> in Dutch whatever the Dutch currency? It's like the Price is yep. Right, but with landmarks. Yep. How, do you, how do you begin to do that? How much does a lock of George Washington's hair cost? How much? That's do- uh, that's, that's specifically a game show for the ultra wealthy. And so first you they guess don't have how much a concept it is. of how have- much a car costs, so they can't they can't bid on that. <laughs> you have to guess how much it is in the currency of the other country. So yeah. if it's That's an American, wild. you have to guess it in, it was called Seikai Marugoto, how much, which is around the world, how much. Um, <laughs> and they would do it. And if you got it exactly right, you'd win what was called a hole-in-one prize. So like, which was, it's a golf metaphor. Sounds unwholesome. You get a hole-in-one yeah. prize. Oh, yeah, like like my pants. Yeah, no. Hole-in-one prize, which is you get a trip around the world, which, spo- which fun fact I learned, no one ever took the trips. They would sell them, it's, which is another long, convoluted thing about Japanese game shows I can go through into another day. But Do, this, Does Silence in the Library count as a Japanese game show? Yeah, that was a segment on, um, I, think that was from, I think that was from downtown, but that was a segment on a show. I think that was from huh. downtown Ogaki no Tsukaya Arehende. Um, but a lot of these things that, like, the hole in the, like, what's it called, hole in the wall? Do we know what that is? Human Tetris, I guess, is what... You guys not... You don't remember the Human Tetris clip? The first one sounds familiar, but then I think you're just talking about glory holes. No. Human Tetris is like Outbreak, but in reverse, right? The wall is coming toward you, and you have to align your body in the shape yeah. of it. That was actually... A, yeah, the little WarioWare type yeah. live nice. action thing. That was actually a segment nice. from a much bigger variety show, but we only saw the one clip because that's how the internet works. Right. Um, I, I think this is this is classic information bubble. Okay, you so just, you, yeah. you've only been around people who know way too much about uh, human Tetris. I before, really am, and Cap- don't recognize that other people don't. I really am Captain Tangent. Um, <laughs> but this show, like the fourth seat, they'd always have a foreigner in the seat, mm-hmm. so they'd always just have some random foreign person that was in like who happened to be living in Japan who spoke Japanese, and so I've been interviewing those foreigners that were in that chair. 
for this website. So you can hear interviews with people that if you're American, you have no clue who the hell I'm talking about. If you're Japanese, <laughs> you're like, oh, my God, you got to interview Kent Gilbert. How the hell did you manage that? I want you to I want you to in, interview uh, that one guy from uh, Ninja Warrior, the fireman, the one who keeps going every year. Makoto Nagano? Yes, Nagano. He just retired from it, like season 30... Well, then he's got free time, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, to interview and I'll come need, on the Carton cast. I'll need to get an interpreter. Um, what else? <laughs> I get Kane Kasugi. He did it a bunch. Um, and he speaks English. Yeah. Um, I actually have talked to people who are on Ninja Warrior, too, by the way. That's nice. awesome. Yeah. I'm, let, let me know when, uh, when when the website's all like good to go with that, and I want to check out okay. the Ninja Warrior interviews because that yeah, does sound and, fun. Okay, and I, to check out the the viral YouTube video you were on about locating the winner of Takeshi's Castle. Well, that sounds really interesting and fun, and I I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing those interviews and also that YouTube clip because I will feel very starstruck, third person starstruck, which is still more than what I usually get. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, in any case, thank you for coming on our show. Uh, this was really fun. Uh, Word Girl is a is a is a is a gem. This is a well worth. This is a worthy show. People who are into edutainment or have utility for it should check it out. I'm adding it to the list of things that I will watch with my children, along with Dino Trucks and <laughs> Generator Rex. <laughs> yeah, yes, it did have big robots. You are correct. <laughs> I don't know what you're raising your children for, but it's not my place to ask. In any case, <laughs> if you uh, want to comment on our show or suggest a show, you can go to our website, cartoncast.com, at the Fancy Bat uh, Network, uh, fancybat.com slash cartoncast. You can go to our contact page if you want to leave anything like that. You can go uh, to, you know, if, if you want to leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or whatever, um, it would really help us out and we'd appreciate it. And more than anything else, please tell your friends about the show. Uh, do we have an outro? Do we have do I have a sign off? Can I have a word? Word up! Hey Ben, Zane, and Joshua, I'm Fred Stoller, but I am also an evil guy. My secret mean identity is Chuck, the evil sandwich making guy, and I'm taking over the world with sandwiches. I don't like my brother Brent. He's the better looking one. Mom, I still live in the basement, but I'm going to get Word Girl and that stupid monkey. What's the monkey's name? What's the word when you don't know something? You're a little, no, confused. That's right. Word Girl, she helps me with words, but then she puts me back in prison and I always get out. Well, you guys, Ben, Zane, and Joshua, you're cool because you're Chuck, the evil sandwich-making guy side. Not Word Girl or Lammer or those other idiots. It's Chuck, the best villain, better than Mr. Big. Yeah.